Right on the Arm Dream Show with Glenn. And Drew. And Gabe. And Mark. Delayed reactions from you guys. What the fuck? Oh, I was on their computers and phones, not paying attention. That's cool. It's just a show. Thanks to all the patrons for supporting the show. We appreciate everything that you guys do to help us help our communities and your communities as we go to different areas and teach Stop the Bleed programs and safety and security. We do all that for free um, at churches and schools, but it's not free to us. So, you know, as an example, last week, Drew and I had an opportunity to go to uh, a local Montessori school and teach the kids there about some really basic Stop the Bleed stuff, but that's not free to us. It's free to them. So, you know, without the support of our patrons, we wouldn't be able to do that. And I can tell you, actually teaching a bunch of fourth graders about Stop the Bleed, at first you're kind of going there and you're like, oh, man, how are these kids going to be? And uh, they were really good kids. They were very excited to learn and very – lots of great questions. Yeah, there was actually and some – And some good stories. There was some very insightful questions. Yeah, there's typical like, you know, 10-year-old funny fucking stories that they'd say. But then they just had some really good – questions and uh, this one kid his mom he's like oh my mom's a trauma nurse i'm like here we fucking go and uh but then he actually said some smart shit mm-hmm. you know so that was really cool well that is the difference you also get from like a montessori school yeah, versus, like, <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> definitely but it was good it was cool so uh, again we we can do those kinds of things because of your guys support as patrons so if you're not a patron of the show please become one uh, we have an upcoming courses in Minnesota here uh, in just under a month now. The 9th, 10th, and 11th, we're going to be teaching defensive carbine, concealed carry concepts, and practical shotgun in Zimmerman, Minnesota. We go there a couple times a year, usually at least once and uh, for the last couple of years. And so we're going back. It's going to be nice and cold. We're teaching in the snow on purpose and uh, all that. I, I love the comments I've got. We posted a video of our, on our Instagram and people were like, oh, do you know the temps? Like, yeah, man, I know what the fucking weather app is. Like, I know how to look up temperatures to where I'm going. Plus, these students specifically requested cold weather and snow-based training. Like, I'm not a moron. I know what happens in Minnesota in February, you know? So, uh, purposefully, we're going up there when it's nasty. So, uh, that's always funny to me, too. Like, down here, it's when it's really hot. People are like, oh, I don't train or go outside. And wherever you go, it's really cold. People are like, oh, I don't train or go outside. It's really cold. And I'm like, well, by golly gosh, I hope nothing bad happens to you. Yeah, Minnesota well, going to be well, a motherfucker. While the, weather, while the weather isn't to your fucking liking. So anyways, uh, Minnesota Feb uh, 9, 10, 11, we're going to be up there teaching. So if it interests you, rock on. All right. Uh, crazy news. Last couple shows, we kind of forgot to talk about this, but I'll talk about it with you guys. What do you guys think happened in Miami? I don't know yet. I don't even know what you're talking about. I think the police response was not equal to what they said happened. What happened? Like a hundred fucking cops showed up. Yeah. It was, it was, it was, I, I've never rare. seen so many motherfucking cops. And it was like, you would have thought that there was some absolutely insane Die terrorist hard level something crazy. Die hard level Yeah, shit. like... Like mass shootout, it, it it was crazy. Look this up. What happened? So, it, it was at this marketplace. It was their marketplace, kind of like Tempe Town Marketplace, right? Like that kind of mm-hmm. lots of build, like you know, buildings and stuff like that, and uh, little gathering areas. And they said it was a bunch of kids launching fireworks and fighting, like a bunch of teenagers launching fireworks and fighting. The amount of police support, and then like unmarked black helicopters start showing up. It's some crazy fucking yeah. shit. 
And then all these people who were there start talking about they were like these nine foot tall beings running around, and there was like and the people yeah are, like aliens. They said that there was like these these big what? huge yes. aliens that were running <clears throat> around now, and that they were they were dipping in and out of like dimensional travel, and like they would like be there, and then they would disappear, and they would reappear somewhere else, and that's why the cops couldn't figure it out. And then some when people did this happen like two weeks ago, <clears throat> and so then people are saying like. Somehow, no one got anything on video. In the world of everything on video, nobody got anything on video, or at least those people who have videos are all, it's all being repressed potentially, right? And then there's all this other talk about like, here's this giant conspiracy theory thing. They're using, you know, this is like the, the, uh, you know, hologram project that the the secret hologram project that the government's working on. It's not so much of a secret now. And that they were projecting holograms of all these terrifying creatures to freak people out and get everyone involved as a way to divert attention from other things that were going on in the news at the time. I think that's a more likely <clears throat> COA than legitimate aliens showing up to a marketplace in Miami. Because um, there are legitimate government projects that are for that purpose. But I don't know. Yeah, that that's the stuff that would make the most sense to me. I mean, we, we, we've seen this like over and over again, right? Like we all know and we can all call it out like, ah, right, here it comes. Someone's going to get shot. Yep. A lot of people are going to get shot yep. soon, right? And we see it all the time. And we see it all the time, not, not only in regards to like mass shootings, but any other crazy shit that happens in the news, right? And it's always this like wild diversion tactic because of how easily manipulated, like, I, so I always talk about this all the time. Have you guys ever been to like Rome or like any old like ancient culture or civilization? Not that mm. you know Rome was that that ancient, but I remember being in Pompeii, right? Mm. And we're looking at Pompeii, and they're digging out, and they're like, "Holy shit!" You know, they found another city under Pompeii, uh -huh. right? Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So like. Mm. What we know as Pompeii, it's not the first time that happened. It yeah. happened before that. Yeah, and it buried right? them, and then they yep. rebuilt, rebuilt it. Rebuilt, you know, them and too. buried them again, you know. Yeah. But they're over there. Like New Orleans. And Yeah, and <laughs> when we're sitting there, and, and they're, like, going over Pompeii, and they're like, oh, and this right here, this is a water fountain. Like, the citizens of Pompeii had water fountains, mm. you know. And you sit there like, holy fuck. There's places I know right now in today's modern world that don't have a fucking water fountain, mm. you know. Mm. Like, I mean, now those pipes were made out of lead, and that's where they were killing people left and right from lead poisoning. But you know, he's like, oh, and look at this groove in the ground. And this groove in the ground was for a sliding door that they had these, like, patio sliding doors to go in and out. Mm. And you're like, you, we're really not that advanced. I mean, yeah. things that have changed in society, they were doing way, way, way back in the day. Like, the the, the gladiator games is like the modern NFL, mm. right? Mm-hmm. A place where people go and then they go and they have these games and they're happy. I mean, that's a, literally what they used to say was to like give them a game so they can be happy. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like, oh, they're starting to revolt. They're unhappy. Put on a game, right? Give them food and drink and they'll be happy, right? And then they forget about everything that's going on. And we're not, like I said, we're not that modern now in regards to past times. Things have just changed a little bit, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So I think, personally, um, I don't think it's aliens, but I do think that the mass amount of cops 
means, as usual, we're being lied to. Well, here's the thing. If they were going – okay, so let's say this is like, for lack of a better word, a false flag attack, mm-hmm. right? A, more so a, a test, right? See what the population reaction would be to mm-hmm. some type of ET. Sure. Right? Sure. Do you think that they would let Joe Schmo fucking beat cop in on the fact that they're going to be doing this? No, because that guy's just as stupid as we are. Exactly. Yeah. So, of course, they would have a massive response if something like mm-hmm. this happened in real life. Yeah. Right? So I think that – plus the response kind of meet up at some point. Yeah. I think there's also the side too that if, if it going along the theory of if it was some, you know, ET event, right? There's only certain people that would be aware of this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But and the but regular cop wouldn't can, know. But afterwards they can definitely come out and say, okay, hey, based on, you know, now that we've got all our freaking things figured out a couple of weeks ago, you know, we did a test on this program. We didn't tell the public, here's why, here's what happened. Don't worry everybody, we got to figure it out. Well, they never do that. No, they'll of course never, not. Do that. They'd never do and that. And this is well, my point: is that it's at this point with all of this stuff, I don't really care. I don't really care who is. I don't even care what is going on. I don't even care who it is. I don't. I like. I just don't even fucking care anymore. All I care about is that literally every government official is a fucking lying sack of shit. Oh, and yeah. it really doesn't matter what it is. They're gonna fucking lie to you. They're just gonna lie and they're gonna lie. And if they get caught in a lie, they lie to cover up the lie. And it's just one fucking lie after another. And we are the most heavily armed population in history, and we still just fucking let them lie. Well, what's the way to defeat the most heavily armed population in history? Keep lying to them. Well, yes, at at the base level, but mm-hmm. think about it. Something that our guns won't work against. Sure. Right? Sure. Something yeah. from another planet with more advanced technology that we can't defeat. Right. right. Now right. weaponize that and well, bango, bango, bango. I mean, our, the, the freaking president said that, right? When he was like, you can't fight F-15s and nuclear bombs with your AR-15 or whatever the fuck it was he said. You know, you're like, yeah, it is that. I mean, it's they, they want us to think that we have no capability of fighting back. And I always laugh every time someone in the population goes like, well, I mean, how do you fight back against, you know, airstrikes, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Have you ever seen you anything that happens overseas? Yeah. But you do. It's not like when we go fight people, we just wipe them off the face of the fucking planet because you don't fight back against the airstrike. You can't fight back against a fucking predator drone. You can't fight back against that. But there are ways to prevent that from being targeted. There's ways to hide. There's ways to fight back. The, you want to take something from shooting you from the sky, you kill it on the ground. Like It's not that fucking hard. Um, I don't know. I think most people are just too fucking weak to actually that, I think want. That's it. They, actually, they don't want to stand up against stuff like that. I think, yeah, that's Which brings me to the next news story, which is the Jeffrey Epstein list being released. I, d- part of it. I have. Uh, you'd going part of it being quickly, like going back to what you said before, really quick. Yeah. Is that people don't understand that there's no, they don't. They don't have the will and tenacity that other people from other nations have, mm-hmm. right? Because like those people were born into war. And I, I feel like every time you and I get together, we have this same conversation mm-hmm. is that people want to make jokes about like fucking Ahmed and his mm-hmm. family and how he's some like towelhead guy. And it's like that dude would fucking skin you alive. Mm-hmm. I mean, now I'm not saying that we don't have some pretty like hard people here that are willing to commit extreme levels of violence but the average person that is sitting there that has their gun and you take your classes and all this bullshit that fucking guy ahmed his child has already fucking killed more people than you Mm -hmm. that dude right here i want to add like how many of you people are willing to kill your own kid 
because he like a lot of them are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're willing to do that, mm-hmm. right? For whatever it is, whether it's whatever they believe in, and a lot of the people here, it's like you would. This dude would fucking eat you alive. Mm-hmm. Like you sleep with a nightlight on, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You have no fucking chance against this person mm-hmm. because of again, like what they're fighting for and their belief, right? Mm-hmm. So when people talk about, oh yeah, you can't fight an F sixteen, those guys will fucking gladly go outside in their little man jammies, <laughs> right? And and that's it, you know. And yeah, but now with the Epstein list, I'm like, here's it, you know, falls back into this. Mm-hmm. You have the Epstein list, and some of it has come out. Not all of it, because it, it keeps getting hidden. Yep. But some of it has come out, right? And I'm like, and it, all that's happened, all that's happened. It's just a bunch of fucking memes. A bunch of memes. A bunch of memes. I'm like, that's the difference. Where if you go to other nations, if other information were to come out, right, these people would be burning the fucking city down. Mm -hmm. They'd be killing left and right. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. all the people do here is they post their fucking memes Mm -hmm. because of how, like, everything is comfortable. Mm -hmm. And it's like, man, you have no fucking clue what goes on in the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, so how many people you... You train. They're like, oh, no, no. Glenn, I'm a shooter. Mm. I-, I can shoot. Mm. And if somebody breaks in my house, I'm going to wake up. Fuck I'm going to grab my gun. Yeah, and I'm going to fucking him shoot him right between the fucking Don't eyes. Don't fucking know. And it's like, killer. No, you won't. Yeah. I promise you, you will not do that. I promise you, you won't fucking do that. So, like, one of, my, one of the things I always want to do, this is horrible to say, all right? But if I remember all the things I say, sometimes people are like, I love your rants. And, and I always go... Remember that for everything I say, there's a lot of shit I'm not saying. Oh, so if you think the shit I say is crazy, you got to hear the fucking internal monologue. Yeah, so here's some of my in- conversation here's, on my couch. Here's, here's some, yeah, exactly. Like here's some of my internal monologue. Sometimes when students are telling me how badass they are, I want to punch them in their mouth, like right there. Like I don't, I'm not saying like I want to punch them fucking. No, I just want to just like reactively like, oh yeah, that's fucking crazy. Yeah, that bam and just fucking punch them right. and just see, see what, what they happens. do. Yes. See what they do. Will they defend themselves? Most likely they'll be like, what the fuck? What just... And they'll punch them again. How many times do you think you have to hit someone? And they're like, well, yeah, but they trust you. They would expect you not to. Yeah, I fucking know. How do you think home invasions are? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they, they surprise, motherfucker, this is happening, right? Yeah. You don't have to understand the why of why violence is happening. All you have to do is react appropriately to that violence, right? So my point is, even against this shit, and to to your point, is we literally have elected officials on this list. We have people that are celebrities that are celebrities that are big deals, that are people we look up to, that are people who are a big deal in scientific communities and all that kind of stuff. And some of them, not everyone on that island raped kids. Okay, so that, that's the first thing that everyone has to understand about Epstein Island. Right. There are plenty of people who went there just hanging out. It was like a adult playground, for lack of a better term, right? Right, right. And they could go there, and they did all kinds of things. So just because someone went to Epstein Island, just because their name is on the list, doesn't mean they were fucking kids, all right? That's really important to understand. But there's a lot of people on that list that, that were. were fucking kids. And, and at what point is that ever going to be okay okay it's never okay so then what do we do to these people nothing we make memes about them we get very frustrated about it these documents still being sealed no one's out there protesting for these kids you know 
were we were talking at dinner the other night about you know the the slacktivism in in people and people will get all fired up about the dumbest shit but we happened to be eating dinner at this place and they had a TV over by the bar that was like for some reason on this loop for one of those like you know for $200 you could literally give like this child a fucking cleft palate surgery you know what i mean cuz they're right. doing it in some foreign country where healthcare isn't ridiculously fucking retarded and they're like here's $200 and you could save this kid's face and potentially their life. They'll be able to breathe and eat and do all that kind of stuff. And I'm looking at these kids and right, like I'm a dad, I got little kids and like my heart is going out to these kids. And I put in my mind real quick, I'm like, okay, how much money have we sent to Ukraine? Like 20 billion. Okay. How many times does $200 go into 20 billion? I don't know. I didn't go to a monastery school. I went to public school. I'm stupid. I don't know how many times that number is, but it's a fucking bunch. It is right. so many fucking times right. that for all the money we sent to some shit fucking country, I don't give a goddamn about. And I'm not saying I hate Ukrainians. I've helped the Ukrainian conflict. We've sent fuckloads of medical supplies and help to train medics so that they can help people who are hurt. I don't fucking care about Ukraine or Russia or their politics. Yeah. I don't give a shit. When we are a perfect country, I will care more about other countries. But you see, I got tricked one time about caring about another fucking country, <laughs> and it didn't go very no, well. I, I, you know what I mean? But and so, like, my point is, I don't give a fuck about that, but... Why can't we, why, why don't people get, it's fired up. How come there's no one out there with a flag and some fucking kid with a cleft palate on it? How come all these fucking Sally liberal idiot bitches run around with their stupid fucking flags with the Ukraine bullshit on it? And like, that's a thing that we don't just punch them in the fucking mouth for. But, I, but what about these cleft palate kids? No, no, no one gives a shit about them. Well, dude, it's I, fundamentally postmodernism is exactly yeah, what it is. 100%. Yeah. That, well, that's, that's the postmodernist ideology, right? Yeah. There's a million perspectives on the world, but not a million solutions. Right. Right. It's one, and it's to the individual. And that's how they think because yeah. that's what they're getting taught in universities. Mm -hmm. So whatever they deem most problematic in their own lives supersedes all else. That's the thing. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> right, but it's like, what was the fucking, what was that movie that everybody ranted and raved about, about the guy that went after the trafficked kids? Uh, oh, uh, Sound of Freedom. Yeah. That one. Yeah. I never about saw it. Tim Ballard. It. Yep. I never mm -hmm. saw it and I refuse to see it. Right. People go, why do you refuse to see it? I'm like, because this is why. It's not going to change anything. Mm. Right. If you want there to be a change, then you have to be willing to have there be a change, mm. right? I think that for <clears> me, my – I don't have kids, right? And I think if I had kids, maybe I might feel differently because I have children. I have a lot of ne like nieces and nephews, right, that I would do anything for, right? I mean it really is like the mindset that I have, right, when – I was taking the boys to school, mm -hmm. you know? It's like, oh, fuck, they need lunch. We're in fries. And they're like, kind of like, well, we want, Mark, I want to grab this. I'm like, dude, listen, get whatever you want. Just don't leave this far, right? And in my mind, I'm really like, no, I have a responsibility. Like, I'm ready to kill somebody for you guys. If something happened, I'm going to kill somebody today, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. To take care of you. And it's my mindset that I have a responsibility now. I think it might have changed, but I said, no, you know what? And there's all this shit that you see, all these fucking people. Every time I fucking see somebody wearing like a, a, anything that says like, kill your local pedophile, mm -hmm. I want to go make, give me your phone. Open your phone up right now. Go to this website. That shows you 
all of the pedophiles were they all in your yeah. area. Go get them. Get to work. Go get them. No, em. then shut the fuck up and take mm-hmm. the fucking hat off. You're making somebody else rich right now with stupid fucking propaganda mm-hmm. when you're not willing to do a fucking <clears throat> thing about it. So shut the fuck up. Stop posting about this fucking stupid ass movie. Mm-hmm. We all know that it happens. Mm-hmm. We all know that like pedophilia exists and we all know that kids get trafficked every motherfucking day, right? What are you doing about it? Absolutely nothing. You're going to go and you're going to go and watch this fucking movie and you're going to make people rich, Mm -hmm. right? Who made this movie to inform you. Inform me of what? Things that I already know exist? Bad shit exists and it happens all the fuck over. So here's why why I think these kind of movies are important, though. Because it's like the seven seeds of marketing, right? If you don't understand what that is, that basically the concept is someone has to be exposed to something seven times before they want to buy it or before they want to invest in it or before they want to care about it, right? So the first time, like Gabe was talking about, the first time that someone says, oh, Ukraine is a problem. Well, no one really is. Everyone's like, what? Half the fucking people who are flying the Ukraine flag, if you spun a fucking map, a globe, and said point to fucking Ukraine without all the labels, they wouldn't even fucking know where Ukraine is much less anything about Ukraine before Zelensky came out and everybody fucking knew who he was all these people who wanted to support Ukraine couldn't even told you who the fucking president of Ukraine was they could have told you anything about the Ukraine now here's my point because they kept shoving Ukraine down our fucking throats suddenly people start caring. It's like when you're driving down the highway now in Arizona here, it may just happen in other states, I don't know, but in our main freeways right now, they have these giant billboards with these people, children, elderly people, regular folks, and it's like Barbara whatever, age 70, kidnapped by Hamas. And I'm like, okay, first of all, I'm sorry, that sucks. I don't fucking care. There's nothing I can do about people who have been kidnapped by Hamas. But the more that they shove that shit down our throats, the more that they keep showing, you're driving down the road, right? All that subliminal shit's happening all day long. All those fucking ads you're seeing, right? Like why we can remember jingles from some stupid product when we were little kids, because it keeps getting shoved down your throat, shoved down your throat, shoved down your throat until eventually you're like, I do care about this. You know what? That is wrong. That can also work to our benefit. And that's why with things like the Sound of Freedom. The Sound of Freedom, one of the things that made it interesting to me was how badly they tried to suppress it. They were literally turning off air conditioning in the fucking theaters. They weren't listing it on theater listings. They were shutting the movie off halfway through. The movie would run for sometimes 20 or 30 minutes with no audio. Like, this wasn't just happening, oh, oops, this happened at a theater once. Okay, isolated incident. It literally happened everywhere. It happened at Drew's in my theater. Like, it was happening all over the fucking place where they were realistically trying to suppress this movie. I mean, the guy, Jim Cavazell, who, who, you know, produced and made the whole thing, would it take him two fucking years to, five. to try to, five years to try to get it approved? And finally they were like, fuck that. And ended up just self-funding it, which is why they really heavily promote donating to this organization that goes and does things like anti-trafficking stuff. Here's why I think those kinds of movies are important. Not Maybe not for everybody, but for a lot of people. Because there's plenty of fucking folks who get up every morning, they live their fucking lives, they never think about anything outside of them, like Gabe was talking about. They never think about anything outside of them. They they know, they may know it happens, to your point. They know, but they don't really fucking know. They don't really understand what's actually fucking going on. 
But if we could get them to watch a movie, and boy, people will do, they won't work out, but they'll watch a goddamn fucking movie, you know? And they will fucking watch a movie. And now we can, so here's this movie you can watch. It's a story. It's a tale. We know it's not real. Tim Ballard is the real guy, but this based very loosely on something he actually did do, but it wasn't exactly like that, right? But we got to dramatize it and gotta make it a big fucking deal so that people will watch it and be entertained. And that's one more step. That's it. I, I, I definitely agree with what you're saying. I, if anything is being suppressed openly overtly that heavily i think there's some value in it yeah you can easily say that right because mm-hmm. we don't suppress things if they don't you know if we know they're gonna have a negative effect towards us we would suppress them right that gives it value for normal people to go see it i also see the value in that movie because like you said the i think majority of the population is so fucking naive is so incredibly naive to to the realities of the real world and, and what that can <clears> look like and it's never even a thought that's crossed their mind. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so esoteric to them that, no, that doesn't happen. You know, that's not a real thing. And I think it's a good form of exposure, just shock exposure to them, right? By the way, according to the Kiel Institute for the World Economy, which is a German-based uh, research institute, the Joe Biden administration and U.S. Congress have currently directed this – is, this number is actually way higher than I thought it was – more than $75 billion dollars. Seven five billion. Oh yeah. Okay, so check this out. If you divide that by the two hundred dollars needed to give a fucking foreign kid a cleft palate surgery, which literally will change their entire fucking life, their entire fucking life, and may even keep them alive. Check this out. The number that creates is three hundred and seventy-five million kids. Three hundred and seventy week. If we just took the same money we sent to some fucking country, I don't give a fuck about. Again, it's not because I hate Ukrainians. It's not because I don't feel for their plight. It's just not where I want my fucking tax dollars to go or I don't want my country dealing with that right now. So your fucking problem. That's why they call it your problem because it's your fucking problem. If you took that same money and just divided it by the cleft palate surgery price that you could donate to this organization, 375 million. I think that's all the cleft palate surgeries the that would ever be fucking needed but ever. They, that's my thing. So here, for me, right, I... I get in these arguments because I'm the first generation American born on my father's side. My dad's from Baghdad. My mom's side of the family is from Armenia. My great-grandmother on my mom's side uh, survived the Armenian-Turkish genocide. So I come from a family that survived conflicts and Mm. turmoil and all that shit to Mm. have a better life. Mm. So I see some stuff and I'll see other like Assyrians or other Armenians be like, hey, Mark, like, I mean, like you have a platform. Why don't you talk about what's happening to the Armenians over in Armenia? I'm like, dude, because I don't give a fuck. Mm. Yes, people are like, yeah, but those are your people. I'm like, no, no, no. The people in this country are my people. Mm. I might come and have, you know, that blood in me, right? But I don't live there. Mm. That's not my life. Mm. I live here. What happens over there does not affect me here. They're free to go and, you know, you if you want something, then go and fucking fight, mm. right? Quit saying that all oh, these people are fucking us up. Well, go fuck them back, mm-hmm. right? Go fight back. You have to be willing to lose something. Mm-hmm. And like that's the side I see with in in politics, the Republicans and Democrats. The Democrats are willing to fight, right? And I'm like, no, they will fuck you up. They're willing. They're willing to lose. They don't care. They're willing to lose everything they have. Willing to do so much more. Exactly. And the Republican side, like you're not willing to do shit. Nothing. You saw it with the riots, right? And all the things that they got away with, right? And then what did you do back? You didn't fight back at mm-hmm. all. You did nothing, nothing, because you're fucking afraid, 
and that you know you think that oh it's well I have to live and my life has to stay peaceful and this and this when like people say you're older than me how old are you 23 Okay, so fuck, I'm older than you. Mm. Damn, nice. You finally found someone <laughs> that you're not younger than Mark. <laughs> yes. Okay. But I see things like, hey, I'm, I'm 32. I'll be 33 mm. in April. And the people that I talk to, right, were Glenn, like, you would have never said in your whole fucking life that we would be where we are right now. Probably not. No. You would be like, there's no way. It's never yeah. going to happen. Yeah. Never going to happen. Never going to happen. And it happened so slow. Mm. It was just like a little bit, mm. a little bit. I mean, if you had a fucking penny jar filled with pennies, but I only took a penny a day, you would never notice mm-hmm. until you went to pick up the penny jar and it was fucking light. Mm-hmm. And you're like, where did all my fucking pennies go? Mm-hmm. Right? Well, they're now in this guy's jar. Mm-hmm. He didn't take the whole thing. Just one a day. Mm-hmm. One a day. Well, it's, a frog, day. it's a frog and frying pan concept, right? right. You, don't, mm-hmm. you know, you don't turn it all the way up or he jumps out. You just slowly turn it up until eventually he's cooked. Right. You know? And so I, I think that that's, that's like the the... The biggest problem that I have with the Epstein list, to kind of bring this back to what we started talking about, is that there's some pretty awful connections to people there. These people should be hung. And some of these people are very well known, and they're elected or even previously elected people. And all that will happen is nothing. Memes. Memes yeah. will happen. They're going to get a little fucking pee-pee slap. I, I, I saw this. There was a, what was it was happening the other day? They were talking with uh, Hunter Biden, you know, and his, uh, oh, and, he little, course, out. and he just gets up and walks out. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, if this is not the epitome of fucking power, mm-hmm. yeah. that nothing will happen. I want someone to be in a fucking courtroom. And if the judge asks you a question, you just like, fuck it. Just get up and walk get out. Up and walk out. Dude, yeah. they will fucking tackle your ass so fast. You're not even going to go anywhere, dude. Court, yeah. You're not even going to go anywhere. And you are fucked. Yeah. And I'm like. The and fact, now things just got worse for you. The fact that anything, that if it doesn't happen to you, mm-hmm. it doesn't happen to me. Right? Mm-hmm. Because that's exactly what this count, this country was founded upon. Right? Is that we're not a democracy. We're a constitutional republic. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And that there are things that happen and, the, and everything and every establishment in our government was put in place for a certain reason. Mm-hmm. And it was so that the people have the power, right? But people forgot because people only have the power for what they're willing to fight for and what they're willing to lose, which is why I always go back to everybody that fucking talks about how they're ready for this big World War Three and they're all ready for, you know, all this, some Red Dawn moment. And it's like, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. Because you're already not willing to lose anything. Those people are willing to lose everything mm-hmm. for just simple things that they believe in mm-hmm. because they really, really, really fucking believe in. Mm-hmm. And I, dude, I remember when I saw that and I was like, dude, we're so fucked, man. Mm-hmm. Like... You're so fucked. And like we've talked about it. That if you were to get a group of guys and you're like, fuck that. That's it. Like, we're going to fight. Man, they're going to fucking get you. They're going to plant kitty porn on your fucking computer. Mm-hmm. You're the bad guy. He was a fucking terrorist. He was all these things. We're like, oh, man, he was a really bad fucking guy. Mm-hmm. Right. He was horrible. No, they'll, victim, they'll victimize. Or they'll not victimize me. They'll villainize you so badly that by the end, no one will admit to knowing you. And that's the kind of power that they have. So any more these days, when I see that kind of stuff happen, if I see someone start getting villainized, I'm like, that was probably one of the good guys. Yeah. yeah. As soon as they're like, then we raided this guy's house and we found hundreds of guns and kitty porn and this and that. I'm like, no, you didn't. That guy was actually one of the good guys. What do you want to say again? No, well, no, just to Mark's <clears throat> point, how he's saying, you know, like those people will fight for whatever tooth and nail to the mm-hmm. end of the, because of what they believe in it. I think that's a huge part of this big kind of three pronged attack on 
America as a whole is like, what 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 do we have left, right? Because if if the people from other places or different beliefs will fight for their ideologies, mm. and we're the air quotes here, good guys. Well, what are our what are our ideologies, right? You should have freedom to do what you want and all of that stuff. We don't even have that anymore, hmm. and I think that's part of the reason why the other side, our side, air quotes again, is so passive in nature is because it's like they've already done this. They've pushed the line this far. They keep pushing the line. They keep pushing the line. So it breaks down your your ideology, and that breaks down the will to push back, right? Because it's yeah. like, what, what are we fighting for at the end of the day? What's left? And then add on top of that, knowing the fact that they will just, like you guys said, just fucking annihilate you. You know what I mean? It's just getting steamrolled constantly. I think people are under an impression that they can annihilate you. But the only reason, like I, I'm a big believer of the idea that Someone can only victimize you if you're willing to be a victim. Someone can only annihilate you if you're willing to be annihilated. You know, someone can only kill your character if you let them kill your character. Someone can only kill your physical body if you if you can't fight back well enough to stop them from doing it. Now, obviously, there's overwhelming force, right? Someone tro- stops a, drops a J-Dam on me. Okay, yeah. that's that's the end of that, all right? But my point is, that only happened because I was I was willing to let it get that far. Right. And so everyone's so fucking scared of their power being turned off. Be, you know, it, I've always said that nothing will happen as long as the lights are on, the Wi-Fi still works, and the toilet's still flush. You know, as long as people can still walk into the grocery store and get their favorite cookie or whatever, they'll be fine. They may start running lower and lower and lower, and there may not be a hundred different types of cookies, or there may not be as much. But hey, if I can still go get a cookie, I'm still going to be happy, right? My Wi-Fi still works. Toilet's still flush, electricity's still on. I can still provide for my kids, right? You hear those fucking cop out? It's like COVID vaccine shit. Don't even fucking get me started on that shit. It's the same shit. Like so, so many people will continue to bow down and do whatever it fucking takes because they are choosing to let this happen to them. Nothing happens to you that you do not choose to happen to you or that you do not choose on how you're going to react to it happening to you. And so when you have people who are like, well, what if they turn the electricity off? Then turn it the fuck back on. It's not that fucking hard to figure out how to make sure you can power your own house. There's options available to you right now where you can power your own house with a variety of different options. And if you still want to be on the power grid, well, then I guess you better start doing really important things to understand how infrastructure works. Like, (laughs) probably ought to fucking do some shit. Or you can let them turn your fucking power off and be scared and be powerless because you're so scared they're going to, well, what if they turn my Wi-Fi off? Well, what if they take away my my job? Then get a fucking another one. But I make a lot of money at this one. Then I guess you better fucking figure out how to live on less. I can't because you've decided that. Because you have decided that you cannot live on less. They say with tens of thousands of dollars in credit card debt and a brand new fucking truck and a, you know, 5,000 square foot house and multiple vacations a year. It's like, yeah, you can fucking live on less. You can live amazingly on less. Travel to another country where these goddamn sons of bitches are so fucking goddamn happy having a fraction of what you fucking have. The poorest people in our country have... 10 times more than some of the wealthiest people in other countries. And God damn it, if they're not just the happiest motherfuckers on the planet. Well, I think it boils down to what do you constitute wealth as, right? 
And what do you constitute need as and want as? And as long as they keep, like you said, this three-pronged attack, they get you so I, they get you so comfortable with the idea of being comfortable, so comfortable with the idea. I was reading something or talking to someone not not that long ago where they were talking about you know how comfort it, it just weakened everybody and how hard it is to get people to be uncomfortable. And we're just talking, kind of joking and poking fun at people who don't want to train in the summertime or don't you know people who are like, oh, you're doing classes in Minnesota in the winter. Oh, it's going to be cold. Yeah, no, yeah, no shit, shit, dude. <laughs> So you better fucking figure out how to be okay with being a little cold. Because guess what happens at the end of the day of training of being a little cold? You go inside. We just go get warm. (laughs) Not that fucking hard. It's like at the end of the day being real hot in the summertime. People are like, so hot. Dude, in a couple more hours, you're going to go sit in your fucking car with the air conditioning. And understand, you don't even fucking understand how it works. You know what I'm saying? If that thing broke, you wouldn't even know how to fucking fix it. That's how magical half the shit is to all of us. All right? Yes. And you go sit in it, and you turn on the magic blower, and it blows magically cold fucking air on you. And then you get a drive through the mysteries of fucking science. You drive to wherever the fuck you want to go next, and you can buy food. And most people can buy anything they fucking want. You can buy seafood. We don't even live near the ocean. You can buy Wagyu beef from Japan. You can buy anything you fucking want. That's how amazing life is. We are so fucking comfortable. The poorest among us is still so fucking comfortable. Welfare, aid, assistance, disability checks. All this shit just flows to people. And that's mostly why... They don't want to fight back because, to, to Mark's point, it's too uncomfortable. Now, here's another story that will get you guys all fired up in a kind of a similar vein. Once upon a time, I was at an expo, and I was sitting next to uh, a, a friend of mine that I, I really enjoy being in his presence. I don't agree with everything that he says, but I think he's a good guy. His name is uh, Dave Grossman. Some of you guys know him from the the uh, the book on killing or on combat. He's a very good author. He runs this organization I'm not a huge fan of, but I think as a human being, he's, he's one of the good guys. And so I'm sitting there, we're having dinner, and sitting next to us on my other side is Wayne and Susan LaPierre from the NRA. And so <clears throat> Dave and I are enjoying ourselves, and these guys are sitting over here. And uh, I kind of having some basic chit-chatting with him. This is a big round table. And this is the first time I've ever met Wayne LaPierre. Now, I thought he was kind of a turd because I think the NRA is a fucking stupid organization. But I'm like, I want to see, I'm going to feel this guy out. You know, what's he really like, you know? So after talking to him for a few minutes, I, I literally turn my back to my swivel in my chair like this. And I just start talking to, uh, to Colonel Grossman because I'm like, I don't want to talk to this guy anymore. He looks fake. Him and Susan Bolts look like plastic dolls. Like the way they do all their makeup. And it's just fucking weird as shit, all right? So I already don't like him. And the way he talks, he comes across as not a good guy. So then he gets up and he gives this speech. All about the Second Amendment and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, this feels fucking canned. By chance, okay, that was out of state. That was in a whole other state. By chance, a few months later, I'm at another event here in Arizona. A bunch of people gathered up again, and the LaPierre's are there again. Susan gets up and gives the same motherfucking speech that Wayne had given months before in a different state, right? It's just some canned horseshit. Right. So I've never been a fan of these fuckers anyway. And of course, then we just find out. This is why none of us trusted or liked the NRA or the LaPierre's to begin with. 
accused of spending millions on international travel and perks in his New York City corruption trial. So he gets arrested just a few days after announcing his retirement. He gets hemmed up because uh, just three days after he has to appear in court. Um, he, uh, they called him the, uh, the king of the NRA and they said it was Wayne's world for decades. Check this, check out some of these expenses, $11 million total in private jet flights. Uh, on one trip alone, he reportedly spent over $500,000 to fly himself and his family to the Bahamas. Um, over a four year period, he spent more than a million dollars on private flights for other people. Uh, he approved $135 million in NRA contracts in exchange for multiple trips on a big old yacht, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, the list just keeps on fucking going, right? He was paying, uh, I read another report where like he was paying his brother, his brother-in-law or something like that. He paid him like $10,000 to print like a hundred catalogs or something like that. Just like insane shit like that, right? So what do we do with people like this? We we get we get fired up on a podcast about it and we make memes. No, I dude, I don't even think when people ask like I get all the time. People ask me, do you support the NRA? I've never supported the NRA. Yeah. Honest to God, I do not support a single like any of these organizations yeah. that. And I'm not saying they're not bad. I mean, some of them might be good, like the Firearms Coalition group. Policy or, Coalition, FPC. I don't fucking know any of them. I don't pay attention. To me, regardless, I'm like, y'all fucking crooks. You don't do shit. You don't do <clears> nothing. Because I'll tell you right now, nobody can fight for your rights except for you. All right? I'm not going to mm -hmm. spend my money for somebody else to go and lobby for me. Because you're probably not going to do what I want to do. What I want you to do is I want people to fucking die. That's what I want. Because mm -hmm. that's how people learn. And that's mm -hmm. how people understand because violence is a universal language that everybody fucking gets, right? When people start to hear like, oh, Susie never showed up for work today. Oh, you didn't hear what happened? Oh, they fucking cut her head off. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. what? What do you mean? Yeah. Oh, we, maybe we shouldn't vote on this thing today because they're fucking scared. Yeah. And they understand. Fucking heads nobody, it is, yeah. it is nobody's responsibility but my own to secure my own rights, mm. right? And I'm not going to give any of my fucking money. I would have a full expectation that the NRA would be like, you know what? There is however much money went into this. We are going to take all of our members and we are going to get $10 million, let's say, and give it back to our members. Mm -hmm. I would expect that without even needing to ask for it. Mm -hmm. They'll never do that. No. They'll never do that. No. Right? Which means they're crooked as a motherfucker. Because everyone will just keep right? dancing around the fact of like, well, it wasn't us. It was Wayne. Correct. It wasn't us. It doesn't was matter. Doesn't matter, mm -hmm. right? That's where it should go. Mm -hmm. And there's no, it, it, it's no different than the fucking IRS, mm -hmm. right? Where the oh, IRS Jesus. goes and looks at people's fucking money. What about your money? Let's look at the IRS money. Oh, we don't know where it is. Mm -hmm. We don't fucking know. It's gone. Oh, <clears throat> no problem. No problem. But you need me to fucking keep track of 17 motherfucking cents, mm -hmm. right? But you can't keep track of billions, trillions. It's disappeared in the fucking wind, mm -hmm. and everybody's okay with that. Mm -hmm. They look at the last audit where the fucking, <clears throat> well, the, the Pentagon had fucking false audits for, like, money sent to Ukraine in the billions that they were like, oh, things were overvalued. That's fucking fraud. Mm -hmm. If I fucking do that as a small little business owner that's just, like, trying to survive and trying to fucking make it and keep my head above water and certain things, if I can't do that, but they can do this, that's when the, there's a, a complete fucking dissociation mm -hmm. with, like, you know, the government and what 
things should be in the country. And it ain't like that. But you know what's going to happen? Again, we're going to make some fucking memes. Mm -hmm. We're going to sit here. We're going to fucking joke about it. And the reality is none of it's ever going to fucking change until people are willing to go and, hey, like you're willing to lose everything. Mm -hmm. And you have to be. And they're they're not – they're willing – what's interesting is they're not willing to lose anything. The majority of people out there aren't willing to lose anything to become better, right? We have, we see it in training, we see it in physical fitness. People aren't willing to lose anything. Oh, but that's the time I have, or but that's the time I have, but that's my, oh, but that's the, all the money I have, but that's all the extra. It's like, and it could be going to the gym. I don't care. I'm not just talking about what we do professionally. I'm talking about what anybody does, right? And yet they are willing to lose everything because they're, they're willing to lose everything. But they don't if know we it. slowly take it away from them. Yep. As long as it's not overtly being taken away from them, they don't want to lose that. But I look at it like, you know, it's like fighting for freedom, right? And I think about, you know, you know we, we talk about this with Drew uh, has heard me on this rant so many fucking times where people go like, okay, you know, <clears throat> thank, you know thanks for your service or whatever I go. Yeah, if I have a minute, I usually make a joke out of, hey, thanks for being a taxpayer. I got to shoot a rocket. It was cool. You know what I mean? But if I really want to talk to someone about it, I go, hold on a second. Are you more free? Then I failed. Don't thank me for shit. Shouldn't thank anybody for anything. Are you more free? Do we have more freedoms? Are you less scared, less worried? Are you more secure? Are you more financially stable? Is the economy great? Do you feel like our elected officials are doing their jobs? Is our international policy up to snuff? No? Then I failed. Don't thank me for shit. Yeah, but see, there needs to be more people like you, though. Yeah, but there's not enough but of there's them because, not. No, because everybody not. wants there's that self-gratification. that they hold into this whole yeah. side. Again, I have a lot of people that were in the military. I have a lot of people I know that are law enforcement and et cetera. And it's like I, I cannot stand. And I've, I've even felt this way forever. It's just like thanks for your service. It's like no, no, service is like I'm doing something yeah. for you. I'm not getting anything in return, yeah. and I'm doing something voluntarily for you. This way, I think to be would be service. Right? I got paid. Yeah, we were fucking um, paid for a job. If it's like hey, I I'm going to go and I'm going to give like community service, I'm going <laughs> to yeah. go and I'm going to donate my time to like yeah. St. Vincent de Paul yeah. to like you know feed yeah. homeless people That's and service. give back. To me, this service. is service. Mm-hmm. But if you got paid, no, it's a job. Yeah. I don't walk around going to the fucking sanitary guys like, hey guys, thank you for your service. Because <laughs> right. I'll tell you right the fuck now. I mean, in my like immediate life, uh-huh. right. Mm-hmm. I don't genuinely believe that there's any sort of I've never called 911 in my life. Mm. Right? So I know when people say that all oh, like like law enforcement like oh they they keep the community safe. I, I don't know if they've kept me safe, mm. right? The only people I would think would be really really important in modern society would be like fire, EMS, right? Cuz I think all of us have either called them once or somebody in our family has, mm. right? Because I think in a society that's as large as we have now, you have to have that. Like EMS is crucial. But I think that, yeah, not to get into a long conversation about that, but that should be a community-based organization. Yep. Not a government-based Or even a privatized for-profit organization. Correct. I do agree with that. Government regulations because that really fucks it up. Yes, I agree. Now, speaking of medicine, because here's the the last story we're going to do today because we're getting long in the tooth on our news here. But uh, here's the last story we're going to do today. Happy to be alive. U.S. woman gets her limbs amputated after kidney stone surgery. 
Doctors told Kentucky woman she would need quadruple amputation to save her life after kidney stone infection spread. She said, I'm just so happy to be alive. Um, and uh, I, I just said, these are the cards I've been dealt, and this is the... <laughs> Sorry. What's not the a lot of cards. No. So, yeah. Not a lot of cards. Hold on. Hold on. Let me, let me calm down. <clears throat> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you her quote, and I want you to feel what I felt when I read it for the first time. Okay? Here we go. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, remember what happened to this woman. Okay, you get ready. <clears throat> I just said, these are the cards I've been dealt. These are the hands I'm going to play. <laughs> Dude, it, I think that so many people are so like out of touch with shit. That's like, yo, let me tell you something right now. And you guys see me here. Like, if when you're like laying on your fucking bed like this, you're gonna be like, just fucking kill me. Like, just. And you're like, you're like doing this. Shit, you know? Yeah. It's like, just fucking kill me. Like, I physically can't do it myself. Yeah, there is no way that you, in any degree, are content or happy to just be alive. All right. I'm sorry. Mullins was rushed to the hospital and sedated for 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 days. I'm sorry. Let me find her, her full name. Uh, Cindy Mullins. Uh, Mullins was rushed to the hospital and sedated for days after doctors worked on her. When she woke up from her sedation, she realized her legs had been amputated, and doctors told her she would be ultimately need a quadruple amputation to save her life after infection had spread, subjecting her to a rare perfect storm of potentially dead, deadly medical problems. Now, this could be a whole show as I talk about <clears throat> some of the problems within private medicine. However, that being said. Basically, she became septic, and by the time that she took care of it, it was it was too late. That's what it sounds like, right? So there's some important things to know here. You need to know more about medicine, and you need to know when problems are better or worse. Because if you don't, then most people's tendency is to wait. I'll call the doctor. I'll go in in a couple of days when I can get an appointment or a couple of weeks maybe. So – don't do that. If you think there's a problem, go to the appropriate level of care and get that help. The other thing to consider this is like when we teach things like intravenous fluids and invasive trauma interventions, there's all these people. Uh, every time we post photos and videos about it, we get shit from someone. It's usually on some faggot ass little fucking private forum where a bunch of faggots who won't come out and just talk to me fucking publicly all gather up together. I'm looking at you Dan Mulhaney or whatever fucking faggot ass name you have is. All right. If you don't fucking like what I do, call me on the fucking phone. My number's on the fucking website. My email's on the fucking website. It's so easy to get a hold of me. If you Google Glenn Stilson, all my fucking contact information comes up. So if you don't like what we do, feel free to fucking talk to us about it instead of being a faggot and get on some private fucking thing and talk shit. Which, by the way, everyone in this medical world that anyone gives a shit about supports literally everything we fucking do. We're so goddamn well-known, it's fucking insane sometimes. So consider this. If you don't know how to handle things like intravenous fluids and maybe even having some at-home antibiotics, you're asking for fucking trouble. Because if you end up with a situation like this and you can't get to help for any of a hundred fucking reasons, this is a serious fucking problem for you. You might die or get all your fucking arms and legs cut off because you didn't flush the system or start putting antibiotics in your system early enough. You don't have to be a fucking paramedic or a doctor to do a little reading on antibiotics and figure out what the appropriate dosage is for this person based on this medication. Yeah, it's literally just a <clears throat> little little math equation. 
It's pretty fucking simple. The other thing to consider here is consider what's going to happen. Like Mark was making the joke about just fucking kill me. Okay. So let's just talk about that for a second. Okay. Yeah, straight up. Just so let's, so let's just say, okay, God forbid Mark ends up in this situation. All his legs, all his arms cut off. Okay. I can't just walk in the hospital and say, look, based on this recording we did on January 15th, 2024, Mark asked me to kill him. So I'm here. To kill him. <laughs> you know what yes. I mean? Like, if yes. anyone should do it, it should be me because I'll be able to do it even though it will crush my fucking heart. I will fucking do this, okay? Would you miss me? A little. Thank so, you. I'd miss you, Mark. Thank you. So, thank you. Thank you. So it's like, <laughs> that can't happen because you got Mark's family who might disagree with that. You've got medical and liabilities and all this other kind of shit. So think about for a second, think about how horrible the story is, all right? And I didn't mean to laugh at poor Cindy Mullen's displeasure, but when she said, "I this is a hand I have to play because she's just fucking hands, I, this is, it's too much for me, dude. So, so Like, you didn't think about that one. Yeah, horrible PR. You really, really got to think about what really you're saying. Really lobby softball. <laughs> but yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to laugh at your misfortune, but how you said it was fucking hilarious. Okay. Think about also having power a uh, power of attorney or if you if like Mark says hey fucking kill me he needs a law a, a legal document on a DNR that says don't resuscitate me if this happens you know like Drew's grandfather <clears throat> when he died they potentially could have saved his life if they would have amputated one of his legs <clears throat> because he had sepsis and he was like no i came into this world with two legs I'm leaving this world with two legs. And that worked okay back then. I don't know if he had a power of attorney or thing. I or doubt if it. Was, no. I, I seriously doubt it based on... He was on, an old <clears throat> crippled man from Serbia. <clears throat> yeah, based on the history I know of the guy, he probably didn't have any fucking legal documents saying that. But based on the care and whoever and the time frame and many, many years ago and all that kind of shit, they were able to let him go. And he was happy with that. These days, with all the liability, you yourself literally can't lay in the hospital and go, just... Fucking let me die. And they can't. They can't just do it unless they have a legal document. So this is the kind of thing, like if you guys are local to Phoenix area, Drew and I have a great estate planner who can take care of all your wills and all that kind of stuff. We have all that kind of shit. You need trust, wills, power of attorney, estate planning, whatever. We have an amazing guy who has a great fucking sense of humor. So if you'll just enjoy being around this human, honestly. He's, he's definitely a guy I like being around. But if you need that information, email us, info at trainingaz.com. We'll shoot it over to you. My point is, if you are an adult, even gay, being a young guy, should have a power of attorney. You should have a will. If, if you have a limitation of when you don't want to be kept alive anymore, you should have a DNR. And all of this has to be legal documents and they have to be in place. That way your family or your friends or your loved ones, or whatever, not sitting here fighting over, is it time to pull the plug or not? Whose decision is it going to be? Because like, do I want any of my sisters making that decision? No, they'll fucking kill me in a heartbeat. You know what I mean? But if I let my mom make the decision, she'll never pull the fucking plug. That's you know why what I've mean? got my dad down. <clears throat> yeah. Because no, I, so, I, I know he'll just, hey, this is what he fucking wants. I, it's going to crush him, but. I actually just redid mine. So, like, you know, as, as time goes on, you, you know, accumulate more shit, right? And this and that. And, and things structure, change sure. in business or yeah. new car or whatever, you know, I might be. I think they recommend, like, you update it every you know? five or ten years. And I, and I just redid mine, mm -hmm. right? And I redid mine. Uh, you know, just, Hey, if you know, anything happens like mm. this goes here, this goes here, this goes here, right. All that shit. And I, and I did my, my medical power of attorneys 
because I remember, uh, you know, very good friend of mine, you know, one of my best friends, and then um, his daughter's godfather, and my buddy Ian. I remember tragically when his mom got sick. You know, mm. she had a stroke on Mother's Day, and Oof. he he was in Texas. He was in the Air Force, and I was just getting a, a phone call from him that was like, you know, I need you right now. Like, and he actually, when he called the first time, I I didn't answer. I saw it. I was like, I'll call you back. Like, I'm trying to rush out of my house to go meet my mom to go have lunch with her at my parents' restaurant. And then he called me again, you know, right away. And I was like, Dude, I'll fucking call you right back. In like three minutes, I'm going to fucking get in the car and call you. And I didn't answer. And then he texted me. He said, answer the fucking phone. And he called me again. I was like, Dude, what's up? And he was like, I don't know what's going on. I need you to go to Mercy Gilbert right now. Mom's going to die. And I was like, what the fuck? Slow down, right? And it turned into like, no, no, I have no idea. I just got a phone call from the nurse that this is what's going on. My mom's going to die, and I don't want her to die alone. Like, I need you to go to the hospital right now and go be with my mom. And I was like, I'm on my way right now. Like, no problem. So I went over there, and I was like, what the fuck happened? You know? And they were like, we can't tell you anything. You know? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, this is what's going on. I was like, Ian, talk to this lady. And he's like, listen, tell him everything you would tell me. Right? Like, I'm over here. He's there. He's as good as my fucking brother. Like, mm -hmm. Whatever needs to happen. It was just like this crazy freak accident, mm -hmm. right? She had a stroke and they got her to the hospital in, in time and she was great. And the, the you know, the neurologist said like she was A&O by four, like totally fucking there. Mm -hmm. And then out of nowhere, they're like, hey, let's do another checkup real quick, 15 minutes later. And she just said, I just watched her go. Like she must have had another mm -hmm. stroke. And she just said, I just watched her eyes just go. And that was it. Like that was the big one. Brain death. Like done. Right. So did they let you? Uh, they no, your buddies. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. They had told yeah. me everything I needed to know. And I was like, dude, she, she <clears throat> held on, man. Yeah. Like they were like, thought she was going to go in hours and it, she held on for a while. But my, I saw what happened. You know, Ian was in this very tough predicament. Like I've never had to do this before. Mm. Like, what do I do? Mm. You know? And she's like essentially brain dead and they got her all plugged up and all the, you know, life support and everything. And he was just like, well, I got to start calling her friends, I guess. I, I don't mm. know what the fuck to do. Mm. Right. And I remember just looking at her and like, holy fuck, man. Like, there's no right or wrong decision, right? Like, it's – and I just saw that and I was like, I don't ever want to be there like that, you know? Mm. And I – in my – when I just redid my estate, I said, if I'm ever on life support, 24 hours, you can keep me on life support for 24 hours before you pull the plug. Mm. Whoever can be there, great. If they can't be there, I'm not – don't keep me like this so that people can see me, mm. Right. I don't care. I don't want them to see me like that. Boom, 24 hours. If you can make it, great. If not, I'm gone. And that's the importance of having estate planning and wills and trusts and power of attorney. And unfortunately, it takes events like this to like remind us. And it's interesting. Drew and I actually just made an appointment uh, with our guy to, to see him here in a couple of weeks um, so that we can go over everything and make sure that everything's how we want it to be and that, you know, assets change, situations change, desires of who you might want to be taking care of your kids or whatever, all those things change you know well and that's so the you thing you gotta keep that stuff up estate planning can get pretty like it can get in depth as oh, in yeah. depth as you want it to mm -hmm. be right yeah it can and be I, pretty surface level you know and i know that yeah i know in mine like when it came to like medical power of attorney my dad my dad i don't want to say he gets like flustered but like he doesn't just like all right time out relax let's mm -hmm. think you know he gets just like oh fuck i don't know what to do my mom is like what time out what is that you want to give him what let me look this up. Real. You mm. know what I mean? Mm. She's. I'm like, okay, so mom, if something happens to me, like you, you're you're my medical power of attorney. Mm. You know, my mom, 
And uh, if, God forbid, my mom or my dad isn't around, I have my siblings, you know, um, then I said, you know, like everything, decisions will be made by both of them, mm. you know. But if they are not in agreement, you know, then ultimately my older brother makes the decisions, you know, mm. like just out <clears> of <throat> a culturally like a respect thing mm. for you know, our culture, things like that. Right. But it's like, no, you can make it as hardcore as you fucking want it, man. Mm. You know, and it's and it's pretty cool. It's like. You don't think about it and it's like, damn, you know, like I should probably take the time to think and consider all these things, mm-hmm. not only in your power of attorney stuff, but all the shit that you have, mm-hmm. you know, like, so it's, all got, it's all going to be accounted for. Right. And all of your, your, where does your money go? Where, where do your property go? Like all that kind of stuff. Cause what else you don't want to create in a situation like that is there's already a lot of undue stress from you being injured, sick, dying, whatever it may be. Let's not add that stress onto your family members or loved ones as they try to figure out what's the, what's the right decision because everyone's going to have a different idea of what that is. So make sure you guys get your estate planning in order. And, and you know, stories like this kind of help us remember that. <clears throat> you know, would you want to live with no arms, no legs? I don't know if I would want to do that. I, I would have to put a little nope. more thought into that. I don't think I would want Fuck to. No. Straight out the gate, I'm going to say no, but I don't know. I think about it. Depends on, I, I honestly, depends on the cool fucking arms and legs I can get. I, I am at a point about no joke, million dollar man I saw kind of this, shit? and I'm such like an independent, like driven person that I'm like I feel as dude for me the first time I fall and I can't get up by myself. Yeah, I think it would. But what me. if you could get the metal arms like Jacks from Mortal Kombat? Let me tell you something. If my fuck by that time, if I can't get a fucking Iron Man suit, I don't want it. Yeah, you know, like some crazy shit. Or the second I can't, like, go and do things, if I can't shoot a gun anymore yeah. or anything like that, or, you know, if I had grandkids, if I can't, like, pick them up, you know, like, I'm out. I'm out. Just, yeah, yeah, check me out. All right, our independence training gear moment for this week. Uh, this is based on the couple days of precision rifle training we did this weekend, and that's it's making sure you have the correct height bipods for your rifles. This is probably one of the most common problem that we see when people get bipods for their rifles is everybody wants them little tiny fuckers. They all want those tiny, short little bipods, and those things are great if I'm shooting off of a bench or if I'm shooting off of an object or a barricade or something like that. But as soon as I start shooting from a field shooting position, and that includes prone even, more often than not, you're going to want taller bipods, even when you're shooting from the prone. You're not trying to lay as flat as you can. You're not trying to be an ant. You know, everyone thinks they're a fucking sniper all the time when they're shooting their precision rifles. It's like, you want to be comfortable while you're shooting because if you have bad position, you're going to shoot poorly. Out of, well, we have 15 students this weekend. No less, this is no shit, no less than seven of them I know this week are buying new bipods because their bipods were way too fucking short and it put them in uncomfortable positions so they had to grab packs or bags or other things to raise their rifles up. So and that's the beauty though of taking <clears throat> classes. It's I, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to friends of mine like, hey, let's take a class, take a class. I'm like, no, I don't like that guy. I'm like, regardless if you like the guy or not, if you can go there and you can learn one thing, yeah, it was worth it, mm-hmm. right? If you can maybe learn one thing either like fundamentals-wise or one thing gear wise mm-hmm. right like holy fuck this doesn't work mm-hmm. because how many people like they have a bunch of gear but they've never been able to put themselves in a scenario to have to actually use it oh, and okay, i'm not talking going out to a static range okay like, hey, we're gonna go out <clears throat> full kit yeah. and yada 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 and that's what we're gonna do no no i mean actually going to a point where you don't know what's next mm. you have no idea the course of fire or whatever it is because in your mind i can shoot really really fucking fast when I know my course of fire, you know, like well, I know exactly what I'm doing. And with things like this, for example, most people, their application 
of what they're what they deem their rifle what they think they're going to be doing is being relatively static, being relatively on a bench or on a bipod or or, or a, a barricade, I mean, or something like that, supported up, and they're not thinking about what height they may actually need if they've got to shoot from an angle position or in a field shooting position. So my recommendation, everybody, is Atlas bipods are kind of my go-to because I think they're a great price. Uh, they're expensive, but they're durable and effective. If you want to go more than that, look at the Thunder Beast bipods. If you want to go even more than that, look at the Sky Pods from MDT. That Those are like the best. Going down from Atlas, you don't want to spend three, $400 on the really tall bipods from Atlas. No problem. I would look at uh, the bipods from Magpul. Not amazing, but they will put a bipod on your gun that's decent. Or look at anything from Harris. The downside to any of the Harris bipods is that they they don't adjust as easily as a lot of the newer bipods because they haven't really had a big upgrade in their technology. Stay away from off-brand, the Caldwells and all that. I am telling you, you're going to break them. You know, the really cheap, like $100 and under bipods, you are going to break them. It's just a matter of fucking time. So, uh, Independence Training Moment, Gear Moment brought to you by trainingaz.com. All right, on to our actual topic after an hour of being on the show. Uh, on to our actual topic. <clears throat> Mark, obviously, here with us today from Arizona Machine Gun Ordinance. We were going to have him uh, last week, and then we had a, a scheduling snafu with me because I got kind of sick that morning, but uh, now we're back in action. So, we're going to be talking about the primary maintenance issues that Mark finds with some of the firearms he works on. And to kind of preface this, if I have a problem with a gun, Mark is my first call. You know, and as evidenced by the fact that I literally brought him in a suppressor to take. So I'm like, hey, you're going to be in the studio. I have a question about what's going on with the suppressor, right? So anything that I have a problem with, <clears throat> Mark's my first call. The majority of our students that we send to Mark feel the same way. As soon as they have a problem with something, as soon as they, whether they want to buy something, whether they want to upgrade something, <clears throat> and that's not even to say that Mark can do all the work, but if Mark can't do the work, then he knows who can. And and here's one of the things that's important to know about uh, Arizona Machine Gun Ordinance. If you guys, or AZMGO, if you guys are looking to do anything with your guns, buy guns, especially NFA, class three stuff, anything like that, is that when you're buying, like, I'll say class three stuff, for example, suppressors. If I walk into any gun store, for the most part these days, they sell class three shit. Um, and I can get a suppressor. And the guy behind the counter, he knows what suppressors they sell. But his whole life isn't suppressors. He just sells suppressors as part of his job. And a lot of people who deal in NFA, they don't know everything about that. They just sell that stuff. Mark, his life is guns, suppressors, full auto, improving, adapting. We were just talking before the show about some parts and pieces we wanted to put on a gun. And boom, Mark knew the answer from a company I've never even fucking heard of before. Just simply because that's not my whole life. Guns are not my whole life. There's so many other aspects of shooting that training, education, that's my whole life. But when it comes to firearms, that's Mark's whole life. So when we talk about these primary maintenance issues, I mean, how many guns do you think you put your hands on every year, Mark? A couple <clears throat> thousand. Yeah, easily. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I go over to Mark's house. I put my hands on a lot of guns. <laughs> <laughs> There's always something hanging out. So what are the most common issues you see overall with firearm maintenance in general? So usually it breaks down to guns not being number one lubed correctly, right? Um, now 
we're going to mainly when I talk about guns, we're going to talk about AR-15s and Glocks. Mm. Okay. Now it's the same for pretty much everything, but being that the vast majority of shooters have an AR-15 of some design, mm. right? Uh, and a Glock. Mm. They're pretty resilient, right? Even if they're dirty, where I think a lot of people will misunderstand the resilience of these guns uh, because of the only, oh, they see this video where some guy on YouTube put dirt and sand on his mm. gun and, oh man, his AR 15 works really great. It's like, well, my friend, you've never had a blown primer, mm. right? Where your primer, your <clears throat> gun is fucking down, mm. right? But it worked with the grass and it worked with the dirt and it worked with the water. Mm. As lo- if you get one grain of sand in the wrong spot, it mm-hmm. ain't going to fucking work, mm-hmm. right? You just happen to get really lucky. So the first thing uh, I, I always see a big problem is a lot of times it's like, hey, let's, let's take a look at, you know, uh, the lubrication of your gun, right? Because you have metals rubbing together and this dirt get your gun gets carboned and fouled and it gets really, really dirty. Lubrication is usually the very first thing I go to um, to check and see. Uh, the next side after that would be, uh, actual maintenance and have they cleaned the gun? And I have taken some guns apart and I look at them like, have you ever cleaned this gun ever? And when I say clean, I don't mean you need to like fucking detail clean this thing where it's spotless. I personally shoot uh, a little over a hundred thousand rounds every year. Mm. Uh, I have for the last like six years now. Um, and I clean my guns once a year, right? Well, I mean, really clean them. I might take the bolt out, Wipe it down, like with a towel. <laughs> Wipe it, uh, lube it up, throw it back in my gun. Um, but I actually like spit shine my guns once a year. Okay, so they don't need a lot, right? They don't need to be. Machine guns are a different story, though, right? Mm-hmm. But business guns, if I put one round through that gun, it gets spit shined because they're, you know, business assets, not personal, you know, enjoyment pieces. They're there for business. So mm-hmm. I, in my mind, it's like, no, if you take care of it, it will take care of you. Um, but just to start lube, uh, lubing the gun, right. And just making sure that it is clean and free or free of debris. And the more you go and do that with your gun, the more you learn and understand your gun, because a lot of times if you like, let's just say you have a, a bolt break or a lug break on your bolt, it didn't just happen. You weren't shooting and all of a sudden it's like, boom, and it just like blows up. If you would have taken the time, which is what you should be doing every time you take your gun apart uh, to lube it up or something, is also visually inspecting your parts, right? Look at your lugs and your bolt. Look at like, you know, where your cam pin goes in your bolt and your bolt carrier mm-hmm. and see like, is there any crack? Is there any wear? Is anything happening? I should probably replace these parts, but most people will never notice because they do not pay attention to it at all. Right, which is exactly what you should be doing when you're doing that. So <clears throat> even within that, like you say, okay, parts don't just break, which is true, right? Things have a certain wear cycle. But I have definitely seen shit just fucking come apart that maybe is difficult to like pre-inspect or like I don't know maybe what to always look for on things. So when you look at all right, overall firearms maintenance, I agree, lubrication is the number one problem. But I can sit and lube wearing parts, and sooner or later, they're going to fucking break. So is there a replacement cycle that you see, hey, man, every X number of rounds, you need to replace these fucking parts and these guns? Because like you said, with full auto shit, things are way more finicky. We clean them way more. We take care of them way more. But when you're talking about your average you know, shooter, your average gun, what are the what are common things that people need to be going, fuck inspecting this? I'm replacing this. Like, 
you know, recoil springs, when should they be replaced or like a bolt on an AR? Does it have a service life? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so, um, I have two different classifications personally, uh, for my guns. Number one is like my personal, like, I won't call it a duty gun, right? But like my personal go-to rifle. Mm. I treat that gun very different than all my other guns. I have, just for example, you know, I have like eight different 10.3-inch carbines, right? Mm. But one of them is like my go-to, right? The other ones are just there because I built them. <clears throat> I'll shoot those and kind of shoot them, not until the wheels fall off, but I'm not going to be as meticulous with those guns as I am with my go-to gun because I am relying on this gun, God forbid I ever need it, mm. to work. So to spend little pieces, you know, bits and pieces, little money here and there on this gun, uh, is worth it in, you know, the correlation to how much is, you know, extractor springs and how much is my life, mm -hmm. right? The, the the little investment <clears throat> is worth it. Um, so about every twenty five hundred rounds, um, I replace my extractor, extractor spring, and I also at that point it's a good time to inspect your gas rings. Uh, and most people don't know how to inspect their gas rings, but if you don't know, um, all you want to do is if you take your AR-15 bolt carrier group, you fully extend the bolt, so pull it outwards, and then stand the bolt carrier group upright on the bolt face. I mean, I think that's like explaining that right, you know? You explained um, it right. I, in regards to what, if people heard that, they're like, oh, okay, I understand. And the bolt should hold up the bolt carrier Right. So I mean, you just put it up, it should balance there and sit. If when you put it upright, the bolt carrier drops down and closes, uh, you need new gas rings. Mm. Um, your gas rings are shot out and you need new gas rings. And there's a, there's no, when I say no parts maintenance schedule to really like at 3000 rounds, everybody should do this. Cause it's going to be very, very, very different for everybody and every gun. What's your barrel length? That has a lot to do with it because of your dwell time and how much gas is coming back into your gun. What am are you shooting? Are you shooting, you know, if you're somebody and you're shooting, you know, let's just say uh, M855A1, that's hot as fuck. Mm. You're going to destroy this gun. If you're just shooting really, really shitty, uh, not shitty, but just basic, you know, Remington 223 ammo, you know, it's kind of really shit quality ammo it just bare, loaded to basic bare minimum specs mm -hmm. or are you shooting xm193 all of these things make a difference are you shooting suppressed or unsuppressed uh what's your course of fire are you going out where you're just shooting you know uh, a solid cadence of just like bing 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 or are you actually running and gunning and running this gun harder the more you shoot it i say it's like tires on a car right if I go and drag my car and do drag races, they're going to burn out a lot quicker than if you just take them for, you know, country road drives. You so know? how about a typical handgun? What do you think are parts that people are wearing out? Like, what do you see people when someone brings you a handgun and they go, this handgun's having a problem? What is it usually? The vast majority of people will ever run into problems on their handguns that I've seen because most people barely fucking shoot them. Mm -hmm. they, they think it's the cool thing to get out and shoot their carbine, uh, but they don't realize that, no, no, I have my handgun because my handgun is what's going to get me to my carbine, mm -hmm. right? Um, <clears throat> and that is usually firing pins, right? Uh, firing pins with primers on ammo used to be really, 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 really like consistent in quality. And they've drastically changed because they're getting them from here. They have to get them from here. So some are really hard. Some are soft. Um, like 
I know uh, S&B had a big problem with this where some primers are really fucking hard and some were just like, you know, nice and easy. That's going to put excessive wear on your firing pin. Um, the nature of, I'm sure you've ever taken a, a, you know, your ghost round out of your gun. You're like, holy shit, there's like a little indentation on my my primer, right, from that round that's in your chamber. Well, it's because your firing pin is lightly resting on that primer. So over time, it puts excessive wear on your firing pin. And I say for a fi uh, my pistols, I change out my firing pins every 5,000 rounds. Some people think that's way too much, but I look at it like, dude, it's not that much money. They're pretty inexpensive. And throughout the year, if you want to go and buy, like, hey, I'm going to go buy five of them. Go buy five firing pins for my Glock. And when I do the firing pin, I do usually the entire firing pin assembly because it's not that no, it's not that much more to just get an entire firing pin assembly. And it's a really easy part to find and just go out and purchase. Um, I don't worry too much, like say on a Glock, about like my plunger or my plunger spring. Those really never wear out, but extractors do. Mm -hmm. uh, and I essentially rebuild these small components <clears throat> on my Glock every 10,000 rounds. Okay. Right. But firing pin, 2500. I swap it out. Really? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because, again, I look at, like, how much is it? How much does it cost? 40 bucks? Something like that? Mm. You know? It's really not that much money. Easy to do. Right? It's Super easy to easy do. To and, again, you could also then take it, and what I always do is for a year, I know, like for you, okay, you could really keep a really, really accurate count of how much ammo you shoot. Mm. Right? You're like, okay, I shoot this many classes, this many rounds per class, this many classes per year. I shoot X amount, okay? And I would say... Take your firing pins that you're going to exchange, right, and swap them out and keep them. And then at the end of the year, look at them. Mm. And then you'll be able to really tell, like, holy fuck, like they either wear really, really, really fast or this is where they're wearing. And, hey, at this, at 2,500 rounds, this is what it looked like, right? Maybe you might forget one month. You go, ah, 5,000. This is what it looks like. Now, if they still work just fine, you could always just toss them. Now, it doesn't hurt to just keep them in a bag that just says used, right, mm -hmm. 2,500. I know that they still have plenty of life in them, right? I mean, yeah, your tires, when you exchange and swap tires in your car, have plenty of fucking life in them. You could still run them to their bare rubber, you know? I wouldn't do that, right? But you could. Uh, and then eventually it's not going to work anymore. Well, I think what you're talking about right now is preventative maintenance. But yeah, preventative and, maintenance. And this is the difference between when people look at their guns and usually when they bring them to you, they're not like, hey, Mark, I've put 20,000 rounds for this gun and it's starting to have some weird problems. I'd like you to take a look at it. Or they go, hey, Mark, uh, this shit is broken, right? This thing doesn't work anymore. How often do, do people come to you and go, okay, dude, I've got 5,000 rounds for this thing. Everything's going great, but can you just check these parts for wear and tear? Never. Or, hey, can you just like do a quick little swap? Never. Never, right? Because no, people never. wait until shit Goes fucking wrong. breaks or yep. it starts going wrong and they're like i keep having these weird malfunctions and i'm not quite sure what it is and you're like it's probably something fucking yep. wearing out so when do you, when would you recommend because you know we'll have students that come through a class or they're shooting competitions or whatever and they'll they'll be like man i've, I've had this gun for years or whatever and everything's going great and then lately it's kind of started to have these this weird little thing where like maybe once every 10 mags it hangs up somehow right it has failed failure to feed or has some failure to extract or whatever it is like it's had some kind of weird problem when would you recommend that people don't look at it as a abstract problem like this oh it's a one one and done kind of thing like it happened once oopsie poopsie when would you look when would you say hey that was probably just a, a weird issue and 
you're like, no, dude, that gun needs to come in and I need to take a look at it. Every on a, on a carbine, right? And when yeah. I say carbine, I'm doing this simply based off of, you know, magazine fed gas operated 14 and a, 14 and yeah. a half inches <clears throat> to 16. Yeah. I would do it sooner on anything shorter than a mm -hmm. 14 and a half inch, uh, but between 10 to 15,000 rounds. But, but what if someone starts to experience a problem is what I'm saying. Like, let's say I'm running and gunning and my carbine has a hiccup and I'm right. like, what the fuck? And I do a little tap rack and it fixes it and I'm running and gunning. I never really see that problem again. Okay. That's a weird anomaly. Right, right. Right. But how many times does that thing have to happen before I go, you know what? Maybe this is a gas system problem, a uh, gas ring problem twice. Yeah. So as soon as something happens twice, they're like, pretty resilient. Guns. Like, yeah. The carbines okay. and guns are pretty fucking resilient. Right, like they mm. work. I mean, mm. even in pretty adverse and shitty conditions, they will work. If it's a healthy gun, it's going to work. It goes bang, and it's going to cycle another round. After it ejects around, it's going to go bang again, and then it's going to eject, and it's going to cycle another round. It should do that always. And if I have two malfunctions of the same degree or similar, then this gun needs to be like something needs to get looked at okay. because something is not right. Generally, we do like in a class-based environment. And a lot of times, sorry to cut you up, but okay. a lot of times it can be something really fucking easy. Where if it happens in the same day, the very first thing, ammo. Let's let me look at That's ammo. What I was right. Say. Yeah. The next thing mm -hmm. after that, magazines. Mm -hmm. Right. It's magazines are one of the most neglected parts of a gun. Mm -hmm. People don't understand how fucking dirty your magazines get, mm -hmm. or inside your magazines. Mm -hmm. You could rebuild them. Uh, I mean, if you have, uh, if you don't have a wife like myself. I'll fucking, you know, clean these in my kitchen sink mm -hmm. and I will yeah. fucking put them in my dishwasher. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Now, to some people, they're like, I would never do that, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, no, I'm going to clean in my kitchen sink. I, you know, uh, degrease them and I take carbon out of them. I'm not worried about like fucking lead and carbon going in my dishwasher. Like if it washes itself out, right? Uh, if you don't do that, then just go outside a fucking garden hose, get mm -hmm. a big bucket, get a bunch of soap and water, good brushes, brush the shit out of them. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the followers, it's cheap, man. You can rebuild your whole magazine. Mm -hmm. All you're getting is a follower and a spring. Mm -hmm. Everything else should be fine. But it also gives you a really, really good opportunity to look at like the feed lips on your magazine mm -hmm. causes majority of your issues. And if you have if ever, 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 I have any magazine that ever gives me a double feed, which you know. Nine times out of 10, double feed is magazine related. It's mm -hmm. not your gun. It's the magazine. I even say just fuck it, throw the whole magazine away. Same. Or if you want to take yeah. the time to like rebuild it, which I think is stupid because magazines are cheap, um, you know, then you can do that, which is a good, you know, good reason why so many people, you should look at the, the deals and the specials that go on. Like Palmetto State all the time. It's like a thousand rounds for X and price and then 10 free magazines, mm -hmm. you know? Fuck, you should be buying those things left and right, right? And you get free magazines, free magazines, free magazines. Next thing you know, like, I got hundreds of magazines. Mm. I'll fucking exchange all my magazines every year. Mm. I don't care. Like, it's relatively inexpensive compared to everything else. And that's the thing is when we talk about our guns, we all have them for the same purpose, right? If I were to ask you, why do you have your guns? Gabe, you're not going to be like, for sporting purposes. <laughs> no, I have my guns because like, I enjoy my guns, but I also have them because I believe in the Second Amendment, which the Second Amendment is there for protection against tyrannical governments. So the purpose of your gun is to fight, right? Well, if I'm going to fight, my equipment needs to be in fighting condition and always ready to go, right? And it's a very like minimal investment to put into my gear and my equipment, which is why I also suggest so many people now build every gun with a purpose, so when people ask me a question of, I want to build a new gun, okay, what's the intended purpose of this gun, right? And if they can't answer, it's like, you don't need to build it.
You, you want it because it's cool. And I'm all for that. Uh, trust me, man. You've seen my fucking gun safes. Mm-hmm. You've been over. I got, you know, everything for anybody. Okay? I can arm an army. It's one of my biggest regrets when I was younger is that I shouldn't have spent all that money on all these guns. Right? It was cool. And it is cool still. Mm-hmm. Right? But I shouldn't have done it. I should have, like, gotten night vision earlier. I should have mm-hmm. done other things earlier. I should have built this gun out earlier. Right? Um, but it was a cool thing to do. And uh, I regret that a lot. Because I spent a fuckload of money when I was younger. So I want to reiterate uh, assessing the problems because, like you, one of the first things you look at is ammo. Normally, the first thing we look at is what you mentioned earlier. As soon as we start having a, a student have a problem, and we actually had some problems this weekend in rifle class. As soon as someone starts having a problem, it's maintenance, right? So let me take a look at your maintenance. What have you been doing? Have you been using the right type of lube? Have you been putting the lube in the right places? Is your barrel all fucked up? You know, like what what's happening? So maintenance first, right? Preventive yep. maintenance. It's like for me, it's wipe everything down, any any working part. Wipe a working part down, lube it up, bore snake the barrel, and let's try again. You know what I mean? If that doesn't solve the problem, now we move on to the next step, which is ammo. Let's eliminate that possible variable. And then if ammo is not it, like you said, Mark, magazines. Magazines are my next concern because that's the leak, That's the weakest link in the chain. Like you said, mags are cheap. So here's the funny part, all right? Let's say you've got a, I don't know, badass tricked out fucking Zev or whatever. Oh, shit. Zev or whatever freaking uh, Glock, all right? Mm-hmm. And it's $3,000 Glock. Right. And I have a $400 Glock. They take the same, same fucking parts. magazines. You know what I mean? So it's like I'm still putting that cheap-ass fucking Glock magazine in there, which is cheap compared to the rest of everything else. Same thing with an AR, right? You've got some badass, tricked-out, freaking, uh, you know, Knight's Armament, tits freaking gun, and I've got some Palmetto State $400, $500 option. We're putting the same fucking magazines. I don't care if they're Lancers or PMAGs or whatever. We're still putting the same $15 to $20 magazine on the high side, right? So my point being is magazines are the weakest link. So first thing we look at is let's get let's com- completely change ammo, completely change mags, see what happens there. If it's not the maintenance, it's not the ammo, it's not the mags, then from an educational standpoint, briefly we consider technique. Because sometimes certain grips or certain body position can cause malfunctions in certain types Absolutely. of guns. And so we make sure that we look, okay, you're not accidentally holding the slide lock down with your thumb or you're not blocking this bolt from operating or you know, you're not doing something like that. That's usually a really quick, easy fix. And then if that's not the problem... Now we look mechanically, is there something going on with the gun? Now we'll start taking it apart. I'll start checking based on what the problem is and the indications it's giving me what's the moving part now that may be related to that. And I literally just start looking, moving part, what's the first thing to make contact with that? And then moving on down the line until I can either find the problem. And if I can't find the problem or we can't fix the problem in the field, then that's when I send them to someone like Mark and go, hey, this this is what I think the problem might be, or this is what this person might need in, in a repair, or at least here's the problem that's happening what do you think? So having some process for assessing problems is important because it's like going to the doctor. Like we were talking about medicine earlier. It's just like going to the doctor. What's the biggest problem with people going to the doctor? They're like, oh, I'm sick. <laughs> Go to the fucking doctor. Instead of trying to do anything to assess the problems themselves or try to fix themselves or try to heal themselves. And so that's the problem then we see with firearms related problems. People are like, oh, straight to Mark. So then here's the problem. You go to Mark. You take your pistol that needs a new fucking firing pin. Now, Mark is happy to fucking replace your firing pin. He'll charge you all the t- all day long to fucking swap firing pins and Glocks, right? But that's something you should know how to do yourself. I'm not saying you shouldn't take it to Mark to have it swapped. 
But I am saying if it is something you can do yourself, you should have the basic tools and the basic know-how to take care of these things Correct. so that you're not wasting Mark's time swapping fucking firing pins when he really should be doing something more important or more effective for someone else's firearm uh, or maybe for one of yours. So know some of the most common tools. Like get a basic armor's kit. That's the next thing I want to talk about is what what's your go-to kit for the range? Like when we're headed to the range, what do you like? I do not fucking leave without X. So before I get onto that, I okay. just want to touch base quickly on what you just said. Yeah. In, in regards to like medicine, right? Yeah, yeah. Even in medicine, you have to have a basic understanding of pathology to right. understand how things work. And it's no different than a gun. It is very easy, unless there's some like crazy, you know, specs like your gun is out of spec or something that you need actually need to like get in the shop and look at. If you understand the basic mechanical operation of any gun, you can almost always like resolve and figure out the problem for your gun. Maybe you can't fix it because you don't have the tools or you don't have the part or whatever it is, but you can diagnose the problem with any, even just like a basic understanding of the mechanics and operation of that particular gun, which is a huge thing, which is like, again, you said, just learn your guns, learn and understand how things work and uh, how you're, where, you know, some things might be user error, right? All of our guns are gas-operated, inertia-driven, right? And if you don't have an adequate grip on your gun, you might have problems with ejection. Yeah. But you might look and you're like, fuck, man, like this person does have a good grip on it, and it's still like this failure to feed. Well, if it's a failure to feed, it's usually going to be like a buffer spring thing, you know, that their buffer spring might be worn out or it's just really shitty. But most people would never even think to go like that far back into the gun. Well, and here's something I'll, I'll like offer up on that note to any of our listeners is this. When was the last time you measured your buffer spring, especially in your primary gun, especially if you suppress it all the time? Now, if you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Measure my buffer spring. I didn't know you were supposed to measure your buffer yeah, spring. It's a spring. It then what you need to do is you need to go look up what the length of your buffer spring is supposed to be and then literally go pull that bitch out and check it. And if it's not long enough, you need to get a fucking new one because the problem you're running into now is if it's not a problem yet, it's on the horizon. Yep, and that's part of the replacement schedule to me is about that ten to 15000 mark, you know? That, that that should get replaced. In regards to tools, yeah. you should never go to the range uh, without – I keep this in a – I really have a tool kit. Mm -hmm. um, I keep cleaning equipment, okay, some form of cleaning equipment, okay? So I have like my lube of choice. I use um, FP10 to lube every single gun except the minigun. Mm -hmm. um, I use it on belt-fed machine guns, everything. It's called FP10. It is awesome. Uh, I use, I keep that, a bunch of rags, things that clean my guns up, Q-tips. I also usually bring out some sort of like aerosol spray because I don't have time to sit there and wipe things off. I just want to be like, and spray it off. And I can quickly then see what's under all of this grit and carbon to then see like, hey, is there a crack or anything that I can see while I'm on the range that I might need to diagnose. Uh, a full set of hex keys, a full set of Allen keys, uh, there's some really, really good, uh, like 27 bit screwdrivers that you can get that have like all of that on. You have like stars, uh, you have hexes, uh, you have Allen's all in one. 
Um, there's some really, really good ones. I just like go to Home Depot and you can find one, you know, that, that you like that kind of fits your, your budget, if you will. Um, and then I go on, you can go on Amazon and literally just look up like gunsmithing brass hammer. And usually like one side is brass, one side is nylon. Uh, and then I usually have like a two ounce ball peen hammer, um, that just stays in my kit, uh, a full set of punches, mm. um, and then a full set of uh, like roll pin starter punches in the event that like something's pushing out and I need to you know, push it back in. Or uh, do I need to like put a new pin in, mm. right? Like, did I, can I find it or whatever it might be uh, that I can't do it until I get home? I can pretty much do everything there. The only thing that I don't take to the range with me in regards to toolkits. Now, I also have it's, – it's not like I sit there and like load up tools to go to the range. It is a range toolkit. Mm -hmm. It's in an ammo can that I actually just had Brian coat for me. Um, he uh, – I got to show you this picture, dude. He, uh, I was like, I always lose it because it was in just a regular ammo can. And I kept sitting there like, where the fuck is my ammo can? Which one is the tools? And I'm sitting there like opening every ammo can to find the tools. That's it, dude. Hell yeah, dude. I was like, Brian, have fun with it. Brian over at uh, uh, Pro oh, 2 sweet. Customs. Yeah. You know, I was like, hey, coat this in a way that I can never like not find <laughs> it. I need easy big, be this one. That one, yeah. right? Um, it's my range toolkit. The only things that I'm missing from that toolkit are like my vice, mm. which are things I have at home, reaction rods uh, to like properly and adequately mount my upper receiver to get proper torque on barrels and right. things like that. Uh, different sort of upper receiver or barrel vices. I don't have any of that stuff. Mm. Uh, and if it requires a wrench to any degree, I will not mess with it in the field, mm. right? A lot of times you're probably going to fuck something up um, and you're not going to get adequate torque that needs to be on the gun. What people don't understand about guns is that you'll see somebody that has let's just say a gas keys on their ar-15 that's unstaked and they will run this company through the ringer like ah oh, they're so cheap they don't even stake their gas key if your gas keys are torqued to spec they'll never come off mm -hmm. you don't gotta worry about it being staked it's never coming off right even people that like talk shit about staking a, a castle nut you know on a buffer tube if it's torqued to spec it ain't never coming off I promise you, like the vast majority of those people have, you know, haven't ran their gun harder than I have. And uh, I haven't had one come off, you know, and there's just guns I've done out of, from my own knowledge to say like, does this, let me torque it to spec and just see. Never had one come off or get loose, you know. Uh, if things are done adequately and properly to spec, you're, again, it's pretty uh, amazing what these guns will go through and what they can handle. And uh, they hold up. It's like, you take care of it. It will take care of you. Well, I think when people get really into that, it's because it's something they can grab onto, right? Oh, look, it's not staked. Oh, it's so fucked up. And they don't – because most people don't know that there's a proper torque spec. I mean, we – again, just dealing with rifle. Dude, I, I retorqued several scope mounts and rings and setups over the weekend with a basic torque screwdriver. And uh, it's like, yeah, dude, you, so you mounted this yourself and you never thought – Hey, I wonder if these screws have a spec. Oh, absolutely. My, you know what I mean? To my four thousand dollars scope. To this oh, very absolutely. And so, but but that's what I'm saying is that a lot of a lot of people are mounting this and they're just like, I don't. And so, like one of them, the guy's like, Hey, you know, I had to re, I had to move his scope around. And so, because uh, his length of pull wasn't uh, wasn't or his uh, eye eye relief wasn't proper. So we set up his eye relief, and uh, and I go to like 
undo his screws. I mean, they almost fucking fell out. Yeah. They were already so loose. I'm like, dude, how'd you like, well, I didn't want to over tighten them. And I'm like, well, these are maybe for the first time ever. Did anyone ever say I didn't want to over tighten them? Right. Cause most people I mean, are like, usually like crank the yeah, down. I'm going to fucking put these yeah. on, you know, they're never going to come off. Well, then the problem is you are putting undue surface yeah. tension on the mount. So you your, have that problem. Your scope mount itself, mm. the scope mount to the receiver has a torque spec. Mm. The screws in your rings to mm. your glass torque have spec. a torque spec. Yep. Yeah, and this is my is, point, right? Yeah. It's like how many people, like when I teach a precision rifle class, a more specific program uh, or a field carbine class or anything where I know we're going to have optics, I have a separate toolkit that I bring yep. that's got my torques, it's got my scope levels, it's got everything I need to basically mount an optic because inevitably I will be remounting an optic. Every field Always. carbine class, every precision rifle class of any kind, inevitably at least once, I'm going to be fucking with someone's scope for any variety of reasons. And so my point is, is that Everything on the gun has a spec. Again, if this is news to you, like if you didn't know that your gas key had a spec, you know, rating on, you need to find that information out. Like I have a student right now uh, that's like, all right, he's been training with me for years. I see this guy once a month easily. I've taught him so much shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, there's some days he we literally are. I'm just setting up exercise for him, and he's just running through various different drills and I'm just working him through the process and trying to, I'm, I'm like literally picking fucking fly shit out of pepper, trying to make this guy better. Right. I, I am fine. I am, I am being picky about how his feet are landing on the ground. Like that's to the level I am at with this student. So I'm like, all right, dude, we've got to work on some other stuff. Like we, I've got to do other stuff. And so I go, here's what I'm going to do. Give me a rifle. So gives me his rifle, his primary rifle, because he brings several different ones. I bring it's an AR-15. I take it all the fucking way apart. I bring my armor's kit to that class. I literally took it completely the fuck apart outside of everything that needed a torque wrench because I didn't have a vice. Everything else is fucking pulled apart. If it's a detent that can be pushed out, I pushed it out. If it's a screw that could be unscrewed, I fucking unscrewed it. I mean, this guy's gun is just in fucking shambles right across the table. And I'm like, now we're going to fucking build it. Because we know what it can do, we know how accurate it is, we know it runs like a top. Now let's see if when you put it all back together, A, you understand what all these parts and pieces do. Two, you know how to check it for go, no go. Three, you know how to do preventative maintenance on it. And four, you actually know how to fucking put it together so that it runs well. And we spent the entire time just rebuilding this thing all the way from the ground up. Because like to me, and like I was explaining to him as he was doing some of the stuff he already knew how to do, I go, to me, man, this is what a true rifleman really is. Mm -hmm. A true rifleman truly knows everything about their gun. They know the torque spec and they have the tool to do it. They understand. Someone's like, someone somewhere's like, well, you know, when I was in the XYZ's favorite service branch here, uh, that we didn't have to do all that. And I got through combat just fine. That's cool, man. I'm not talking to you. You're fucking perfect. Don't listen to the show. But for everyone else who wants to improve and be a better rifleman, to me, a rifleman should be able to take your rifle, take it completely apart and fix it completely. I think like old school cowboy rifleman, old school adventure mm -hmm. frontiersmen who they didn't have a gunsmith. They didn't have a Mark to, to, to hop in the no. truck and drive 20 minutes and go drink beer while Mark fixes my shit. Like they didn't have That's that guy. That's why they say guy. you don't fear the man with many. You fear the man with one. That's right. The one who really knows fucking, fucking knows how to use it. And he knows how to take it apart. He knows how to put it together. And I think about my father, you know, who, who truly understood how guns worked because if they're on some backcountry hunt somewhere up in the mountains of Wyoming and someone's gun goes down, they have got to know how to fix the gun. They have got to know how to make it work. Now, did he teach 
me about re-bluing actions. No, we did it a couple times and we would, you know, fuck something up or whatever. But like, yeah, that, that's not the kind of important shit I'm talking about. I'm talking about the internal workings of the gun. Do you truly understand it? Because if you're looking for something to get better at, this is the thing to get better at. And people go, well, where can I go? There's not a lot of classes. And you're right. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of classes. I've talked with a variety of different people about putting these kinds of classes together. And everyone's always like, I don't know, you know, hemming and hawing. Fine. YouTube University. Yep. Go to fucking YouTube. Look that shit up. Take your fucking gun as far down as you possibly can until you start needing specialized tools you don't have. And then put it back together. Truly, honestly, this is one of my favorite things about teaching ladies is ladies always really, really want to know how something works. Yep, and they're very meticulous. They fucking love taking guns apart. They love to see, you know, obviously, you know, Drew helped helped me to learn this concept. Gabe's seen it happen and has, you know, taught plenty of ladies. He's seen the process of like, when you're like, this is how the bullet goes into the barrel. Slide off and like take the barrel out. Dude. Put the bullet it's in like, the barrel. They're like, what? If we're doing that in a class with guys, well, when do we get to the shooting part? Like, and you're no like, shit, oh, my God. There. Listen, fatty, just don't fucking question my methods, okay? So it's like, dude, you don't even fucking know how this works. Why don't you fucking listen? I don't want to. I won't pull trigger. I'm like, dude, I fucking get it. You want to get on the range? You want to bang, bang, bang? You don't even know how your fucking gun works. So then when it goes tits up, you don't know how to fucking fix it. And you watch some guy cluster fuck his way through a malfunction clearance. And you're like, this is why you need to understand how the gun works. Because right now, you we can go, okay, put it back in your holster, take it back up the line, and let's uh, take it apart. What if that's not an option? What, what if you're, what if the, the big, giant, wet, dream, red dawn fantasy happens for you, and your gun goes tits up? What's next? Do you have the tools to fix it? In the field, I see plate carriers. You know, this is something Gabe and I have talked about at length. We've both posted videos on the Independence Training, uh, you know, Instagram battle. Half of our instructors, if you look at their gear, uh, on their kit, I mean their gear, you will find small repair kits on so, everyone's fucking gear. It, it goes what I in my kit, right? And I have I have this shit spread everywhere. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have like my range bag. I have like I have two different plate carriers. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, I have my plate carrier set up that's like my, you know, shit hits the fan. This is what I'm taking. Then I have like a more minimal plate carrier for I just keep it in my truck, you know. Um, and on both of them, like I have, you know, my back panels that have, you know, bags. I literally have, and I keep this in my range bag, and I also keep this in my my kit. I have a small parts bag that has small parts. Mm-hmm. We're, we're talking about just carbine right now. Yep. So I have extractors. Mm-hmm. Extractor springs, um, like the upgrade for extractor springs, uh, gas keys, firing pins, cam pins, and cam pin uh, firing pin retaining pins. Small. I mean, they, they fit in a little like a three bottle. by three. I, I put it in a medicine yeah, bottle. Yeah. Like three yep. by three little baggie or a medicine bottle, something like that. All of that will fit in there, okay? Because they're really small parts. I also keep one complete spare bolt. Mm-hmm. Same. Okay. Yep. I keep a complete bolt. I also in my have, medicine in my little medicine thing. I also mm-hmm. have another complete bolt carrier group. Mm-hmm. Right. Because some of the things that carriers is fine. Mm-hmm. Right. And you might need to just swap out a bolt. You know. But God forbid, I'm like, holy fuck, dude! Now you're in a gunfight. My gun goes down, and it's like, hey, usually if it's not one, two, or three, it's four, which is bolt carrier group. Right. I can just pull that entire bolt carrier group out, put a new one in, and I'm back in the fight. Right. 
where then I can diagnose and figure the other problem out later as to why did that break or what what was mm. the issue and I could resolve it later, right? But at least here, I'm back in the mix, you know? The bulk carrier group is pretty long-lasting part, though uh, I replace my bulk carriers, the whole group, mm. every 20,000 rounds. Mm-hmm. I throw it out, buy a brand new one, uh, every 20,000. 20, every 20,000 rounds on my carbine, um, you know, in that 15, 20, you know, uh, I'm doing a full rebuild on my gun. And that usually might even be barrel and everything, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I'll, your receivers, your lower receiver, you really never really need to worry about that. Uh, I will replace, when I start getting like consecutive light primer strikes mm-hmm. in various different cartridges, uh, okay, it's probably time to put new uh, hammer spring, mm-hmm. things like that on the gun. Your selector, it's really never going to mm-hmm. wear out, man, you know. Um the, the lower receiver itself, outside of the buffer tube sp- or the buffer spring, mm-hmm. will last forever for the most part, you know. Uh, but the upper, that's that's where the magic happens. Mm-hmm. That's why people talk about shit on like a Anderson lower receiver. I'm like, it's a lower receiver. So as a as a fun fine. thing, back in the when the Anderson thing started, and everyone was hating Anderson so much. I got an Anderson lower. I SBR'd it. And it's my primary gun to this dude, day. I have an yeah. SBR Anderson lower. Fucking love it, dude. I also Just have- so I could go to classes and people would be like, what kind of lowers? And I go, it's an Anderson. And they'd be like, what, what, what? I'm like, it's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll survive. Yeah, dude. But all, I, all these survive. lowers. See how the I magazine goes in? I throw them around. Oh, friends. Do. Like, <laughs> machine gun for you. Machine gun for you, right? Like what I have not for the range for work stuff. They're all on Andersons. Yeah. I'm, I am not saying this to talk shit. You know me for a fact. Yeah. I have a lot of. I have a lot of knights. Very stuff. nice stuff. Yeah, I have a lot, a lot of knights armament shit. Mm-hmm. Right, just because as a collector, right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have two of the five factory SR16s mm-hmm. in civilian hands. I got two of them. You know, I have a real M110. I got a lot of knights armament shit. Mm-hmm. Okay, not a big fanboy. I'm a collector. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have seen and had more knights armament guns come into the shop <laughs> for mm-hmm. repair. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not. I'm not fucking. I'm not mm-hmm. being serious. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then I have Anderson, then I have DPMS, then I have Bushmaster, then I have Palmetto. Mm-hmm. And again, and I'm not saying that to talk shit. I'm, it's a real thing. I have had more of those guns come in for something wrong with them mm-hmm. than any of those other guns. Now, do I believe in longevity? The nights will last longer? Probably, right? But it, these guns weren't made for, you know, like the warfighter, right? Like a knight's was. Made for the hobbyist, the enthusiast. It's a gun to get them into the hobby to maybe mm. get them to the knights, mm. you know, uh, or whatever it might be. Out of my knights, none of my knights armament guns are like my go-to gun. That's like, oh man, this is the gun I'm taking to fight. My all of my guns are pretty much based off of Colt 6920s, mm. and then they've been maybe modified, you know, since then, right? But they've all been based off of that gun, and it's pretty impressive. Uh, you know, when you look at how how long a lot of these guns last. My little brother, my first rifle my little brother got. I got him a, a Palmetto State, like 10.5, something like that, right? And I got it from a buddy of mine, cheap as fuck, dude. I think he paid like, like 400 bucks for the whole gun, mm. right? And uh, I was just like, dude, time out. Yeah, you see all my stuff and you want to go like zero to 100. Let's see if you even enjoy the hobby. Mm. Let's see if you enjoy mm. going out and shoot before you start spending money. Like learn from my mistakes, right? And uh, he, we got him this gun 
dude, we have shot the fuck out of this gun, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I'm anything. <clears throat> I was like, dude, whatever, bro. It's just a palmetto. You on steel? I told him, Brad, buy steel. Yeah. Don't worry about buying brass ammo. Shoot the fuck buy out the of that. Buy the cheapest shit you That's can, right. right? Buy the cheapest shit and just learn about the gun. Learn and see if you enjoy shooting and mm-hmm. enjoy the hobby and all these things. And then we can go. And now, I mean, my, my little brother's got fucking suppressors mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And he's he's all decked out, right? But that was his first. My very first rifle. Bushmaster XM15E2S. Yeah. Right? I'll, I'll never forget. It was my right? first AR-15 I bought that was a was my civilian. first one. Yeah. You know? And I learned a lot, dude. Mm-hmm. I had a fucking vertical grip on it. Then mm-hmm. I put a bipod on this thing. Yeah. I just saw, like, pictures on the and internet. And I still have that. I and I was like, this is the coolest thing I still ever, have it. Right? Yeah. And I was like, no, man, but you, you got to start somewhere. And then it's like, no, this is where I am now. Yeah. Right? Um, You've actually got the upper right now. That's the thing you're putting a new barrel on. Is that it? Yeah. <laughs> nice. You know? <laughs> but no, it's, it's like, uh, they're resilient <sighs> fucking guns. Well, know? here's, any any gun really is. And, and here's something, like, here's what I'll say. We're, we're uh, uh, on a good on time, so I got to freaking wrap this up. But, but here's what I'll say, and I'll let you say uh, kind of a similar thing. You, you'll know what I'm talking about as soon as I finish up. Here's the interesting thing about guns. You think about how they like how so many guns have been treated. Like everyone want, treats their guns like they're like some kind of fucking precious commodity that's going to break if they use them for real. And so consider this. Anytime someone's like shit talking a brand, I'm like, break it. Go buy one. Go buy a PSA AR. And break it. Run it until it is broken. Like, go out and legitimately train and shoot and practice and hunt and compete and do all the things you normally do with this gun until it breaks. And then when it's broken, then let's consider whether or not you should upgrade to something else or just replace it with that same thing in lieu of paying $2,500 for some badass AR. What if you could spend $500 on an AR and spend the other $2,000 on, I don't know, ammo and training? Like, wouldn't that be a better fucking choice? Mm Mm-hmm. So here's a point that I'll make, all right? So I was a much younger man, and my brother-in-law and I, I think I might have told a story on the show before, but my, my brother-in-law and I, we go out, and we are shooting jackrabbits like every fucking weekend, all right? We are just out in the middle of, of, uh, middle of nowhere desert in Arizona, and we are just blasting jackrabbits like fucking constantly. And we're starting, to, we're using guns that's like are kind of expensive to shoot. And so we're like, dude, I wish there was a cheaper way to do this. Like, 22 is not enough. We need a little bit more. And at the time, to tell you how long ago this was, you could buy a thousand rounds of like SB jacketed hollow point nine millimeter for about 80, 80, 90 bucks. Really fucking the glory days. All right. Sick. And uh, yeah, super fucking, super fucking badass. I had a time machine. I would go back and buy cheaper ammo, a lot of it. But, anyways, uh, so I'm like, man, we, we got to find a fucking nine because like our pistols, you know, we're not good enough to make some 50, 70, 80 yard shot with these things. So I go to the store. I'm like, Yo, do you guys have like nine millimeter rifles? Like this is way before the big PCC right, yeah. thing, right? We're talking like mid 2000s right now. And they're like, yeah, we do. We have this one. It's like 160 bucks or something. It's a fucking high point. Right. Hell yeah. Now I'm not a gun nerd at the time. All right. So I only know what my dad taught me, what the military taught me, and now what I can learn on my own. Right. And this is before all the social media. This is before all that shit. Right. So I'm like, oh, that's really cool. And I remember the the Beretta at the time I was rocking an M9 quite a bit. And uh, the Beretta, whatever they call it, the CX4 Storm or whatever yep. it was, that thing had just come out, but it was very expensive. It was like 600 bucks. And it was a young guy. I didn't have 600 bucks just dump, dump on a fun gun. And this thing's like 150, 160 bucks. So I'm like, fuck it, dude. Give me one. So the guy's like, yeah, man, it has a guarantee on it. If anything goes wrong with it, they don't, you don't even do anything. You send it back to the company. They just fucking send you a new one. That's how cheap these things are built. I'm like, whatever, man. 10-round magazine, that's plenty. I'm not going to war. I'm just shooting jackrabbits. 
So get a couple 10-round magazines for it. Off we go. I ran this thing. We ran that thing. My brother-in-law thought it was so great. He goes and fucking buys one. So we're out in the desert. a blast of fucking jackrabbits with S&B jacket at hollow point, nine millimeters. Fucking loving it. We're loving it. Start doing some predator hunting with it because doing a lot of predator yeah. hunting at the time. And, and we're just loving it, dude. Just fucking loving these guns, right? I got a little... I think I put like a fixed four power scope on mine. He put like a little red dot on his and we're just fucking slaughtering everything. Having a great time shooting super cheap. We're having a good time. Just spraying lube in this thing. You can't disassemble them. You're not even supposed to try. Right, right. Right. And so you're just supposed to like hose the yep. interior of the chamber down with fucking lube and keep running. A buddy of mine is working at gunsight at the time. He's like, hey, man, we just had, like, these Russian dudes come through, and they shot up tons and tons and tons of that, that green lacquered wool family. You guys uh, remember that shit? Yeah, the old stuff, yeah. Awful for your guns. And he's like, dude, they sh- it's all they shot. He said their policy is once they rack around on the ground, they don't fucking pick it up. He's like, so we literally spent a whole week with these guys picking up all their loose rounds. He's like, I literally have a five-gallon bucket full of still case nine millimeter for you. It's a little dirty. Some of it's a little shitty, whatever, but it's like, it's yours. Five gallon bucket full of fucking full metal jacket. And I'm like, fuck it. I'll burn it through this fucking shitty high point I have, dude. Yeah, yeah. He literally shows up at my house with a no shit five gallon bucket full of fucking ammo. I don't even know how many thousands of rounds it is. It's a lot. We are just mowing through this ammo. It's steel. It's in my garage. It's getting rusty and shit. Yeah, we don't give yeah. a fuck, dude. It's just shooting through these guns. I'm hosing them down with lube. I'm shooting this gun. I'm hosing it down with lube, shooting this gun. Well, time goes by. My brother-in-law moves. I kind of stopped going out as much, you know, shooting jackrabbits and stuff. So this gun fought, finds its way to the back of my safe. And I forget it even fucking exists. My father was working in Colorado uh, at the time as a water conservation officer. He's beating around up in the mountains, and he has all these problems on his quad. And he has a problem with, like, beavers and, you know, like, uh, marmots and shit like that. And he's shooting them all with his pistol, and he can't really carry, like, a, a real rifle because they kind of – they don't – they're not even supposed to be carrying guns, but they know that everyone out there does. So they let – they kind of turn a blind eye to the fact that their conservation officers are carrying firearms. And, uh, and mostly he's using it to dispose of the beavers and the marmots and stuff because they're fucking up the water conservation shit. So, uh, so anyways, he's like, yeah, man, I really need a rifle, but like, I don't, I don't need like a rifle rifle. Cause I'm really only reaching out to like 75, hundred, but some of those shots are a little too far for, for my pistol. And my dad with iron sights is at the time fucking killer, like about 50, 75 with his, with his pistol, a phenomenal shooter. But he's like, yeah, I just need someone to reach out a little bit, maybe a little magnification. So I'm like, fucking, I have the perfect gun for you, dude. So I grab, I get this high point. I give it to him. I'd already like spray painted a camo and shit. So he just throws it in a little bag. He throws it up on his fucking uh, quad. And that thing beats around the mountain with him for a few years. And he's shooting beavers and marmots with him or whatever, you know. My dad's good at maintenance, so I know it is getting maintained. But it just runs like a fucking top. And then like after a few years... He leaves, moves to a different position. He's interacting with the public a little bit more, so and he doesn't have to deal with the beavers in this particular area. So he's not carrying it anymore. And then my one of my sisters is like, hey, we kind of need a rifle. Her and her husband were kind of living out in the woods at the, at the time and uh, traveling around their RV and stuff. And he's like, I got a fucking perfect gun for you. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and so this gun is just like, I don't even know where it is. I'm sure it's somewhere still in the family or a friend or whatever. And this gun just ran and ran and ran and ran and fucking ran. And I was amazed with how horribly we treated this gun. And it just kept, and it's out there today, right? Legend is, it's still out there today, shooting 9 millimeter. It's like my little brother's (laughs) PSA, man. Like, I mean, dude, he shoots the fuck out of that thing. I mean, you gotta remember when you just got a gun for the first time. Oh yeah, and you're just bag dumping this thing, right? I mean, you're like, holy, this is the greatest Mm. thing ever. I think a couple times we've slapped it on one of my M16 lowers, Mm. and he just fucking mows Mm. it down. And it's like, yeah, man, like 
Keeps on running. It's great. You know, I'm not, and I'm not going. advocating everyone run out there and buy a high point carbine. No, That's no, not the no, point not of the story. All. The point of the story is if you have a firearm, understand what it's built to do. And as long as there's some level of preventative maintenance going into it and you're taking care of the gun generally, it's probably going to outlast you. So when people shit talk cheap guns, whatever they are, it's like, show me that you'll break it first. Show me that you run your guns hard enough to actually fucking break them. So I know yep. you've got some notes too, Gabe. What do you, you got? Anything we didn't cover already? No, pretty much just my what my range field maintenance can, consists of. Because I'm not trying to the way I think about it. I'm not breaking down guns where there's small springs <clears> and stuff <throat> in the field because a I probably don't have time for that, and b they get lost, and if I don't have a backup, then then I'm done. Is there so, something particular you put in yours? Uh, my bits driving set. It's like the best thing I've ever got. Mm. It's one of the ones Mark was talking about. It was like 15 bucks. Mm. Yeah. And I can service pretty much any optic, yeah. anything that has either a hex key or stars or flathead or Phillips, whatever. It's, it's got them all. It was like 15 bucks. It's the size of like a sunglass case. Yeah, this shit, man. Yeah. Fucking love yeah. those things. And there's, I mean, now there's a lot of like specialty stuff. Like there's, uh, oh, fuck. It's, I know it's called the twist, but I forget who makes it. Multitasker tools. Oh, right? multitasker. Yeah. 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 Multitasker. They make that little twist. It's like a little pen. Mm. And it's a great little toolkit. It's cool. Right? It's cool. I've I mean, got one. Like, I've got one in my ring. Yeah, bag. it's got like a little, mm. you know, hook, like a, a pick on it. Mm. It's a pretty neat little kit. Is it something that you need to go and get for your gun? No, you don't need to. Mm. Right. Um, but it is a decent little thing to have that mm. if you want to get it, it's not a one and do it all Mm-mm. by any means. No, no. But it's got um, some cool but tools. It's a nice it. little mm. toolkit to mm. have in your in your little kit. You know, I think last week we mentioned like we were talking about some other stuff. We talked about like the fix it sticks, and those are a great little tool. They're expensive. The Altoids tin that I just put all my fucking wrenches in and stuff yep. like it's just whatever it is. Have something that you take with you to the range all the time because it's frustrating for me as an educator. When you've got someone in class and they're like, oh, yeah, I need to adjust my optic. And you're like, all right, cool. So go ahead and grab your tool set. And they're like, yeah, I don't have anything. It's like, so you came to the range with a gun that you knew the possibility of turning a screw or tightening. And you don't even have the most, like the, the wrenches that literally came with it. Like, most people don't, you don't even have that. that. Most people just assume <laughs> that like, nah, I buy it and it's going to be good forever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, 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 man. Like, yeah, in theory, should it? Yeah. But it is a piece of equipment. Mm-hmm. It's like. I talk about when we do machine gun rentals, right? When you do machine gun rental or any machine gun event, they look at it like, oh, it's a machine gun. It's supposed to last forever. You know, it's it's machine. Right. Things break, mm-hmm. right? And if it breaks, well, you just meant to be fixed. You just go and you you fix it. Now, I have a whole separate set of tools for like belt feds, right? Machine guns. I need bigger tools. Like mm-hmm. I actually have, you know, like, uh, like the cable wire shit you mm-hmm. know like i have new cable wire so i could like uh put like fasteners on things like oh this broke crimpers all that it's bigger shit bigger tools mm-hmm. you know but um i mean while i said multitasking tools maybe think a good like leatherman or a good multi-tool is great to have uh on your kit you know um i would just look at your gun and it's really easy to look at a gun and be like okay this thing to take this apart uh if you're gonna take apart your gun Sit on your bench at home and go to take your gun apart at home with whatever tools you have. Whatever tool, if you use a tool, put it aside, right? And then go and buy that tool. Mm-hmm. So now you make a kit for the field and you have one for home. Mm-hmm. And you don't mix the two. It's mm-hmm. like one just stays and you know exactly what to buy. And as you go, another good thing to have on the field, in the field, is a really good like metal cleaning rod. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I rarely ever use metal cleaning rods for my guns. I use bore snakes for everything yep. except precision guns. And um, and punching barrels right, too is nice if you've you got a stuck it, case yeah, or something like that. That's exactly what I mm -hmm. use it for is a stuck case. You know, so like a sectional set of rods, in my opinion, is just as good as a one-piece. At home with my full kit, I've got the space. I'm going to have one-piece rods, but in the field. It's, and the other thing I, I will say I add, because you guys kind of covered everything else um, for the I most part. Thing. Okay, hold on just a second. A rubber mallet. Yeah. I carry a rubber mallet because I have beat the shit out of bolts. I have knocked things out of place uh, that need to be knocked out of place. Knocked things into place that need to be knocked into place. Just a basic Mm -hmm. Rubber mallet is a great fucking maintenance tool. What do you got, Drew? Um, I was going to ask your opinion on overcleaning guns because time and time again in classes, we have people that say they clean their guns after almost every single use of the gun. No such a thing. So I am this. I I I used to be this way. Mm. I and the reason. Okay, so I used to be this way when I was younger, right? That I was like very anal about my gun. That if I put a fucking round through it, it got like spit shine. Mm. Okay. You can't overclean your gun. It's not like, oh, by every time I take it apart and I put it back together, it puts excessive wear on the gun. I and mean, if that were to be the case, then after a magazine of firing the gun, it would be torn apart. I right? would say the diff the exception of that is barrels. The where when people correct. are scrubbing yeah, yeah. the fuck out of their scrubbing barrels. The fuck out with out of your barrel. You don't need to, right? Brushes correct. that are fucking up the metal, yeah. What where <clears throat> where you make mistakes in cleaning your gun? is the more I take the gun apart and put it back together, if I'm not paying attention to the order of operation that my gun is meant to be put together, you increase the likelihood that you put it together incorrectly mm. uh, or you forgot something or you fuck something up. Mm. Like I had a guy once that he, he took his gun. It, I, this was a fucking disaster. He forgot to put his firing pin retaining pin back in the vault, right? And it, dude, it was fucking bad, dude. Mm -hmm. It was like, dude, mm -hmm. it literally like shot the firing pin mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. It was like... And it, dude, it like was like like in his mm -hmm. buffer tube. Mm -hmm. It was like, you know, I was like, dude, that thing could have fired out like a fucking nail, you know, little thing, right? That's like, no, you take your gun apart, you put it back together. I inspect everything, and dude, I've been doing this a long time. I still go and you know, I still go and I double check everything, make sure everything's right. If I do a machine gun event or any sort of event, if I've done a weapons fam, there's a fucking safety brief, right? These guys are the best of the best. Like, they should know. Say, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, but you know what? Like, everybody has a mistake. Never, no one's perfect. We all fuck things up, right? Mm -hmm. Here's a safety brief. You do this. And I tell them all. I don't care if you're fucking elite operator, SEAL Team 6. Listen, these are the rules on the range. And if you violate these rules on the range, you're fucking done, right? I don't, I don't care who you are, you know? And it's the same goes for everybody. I'm... I might work on guns all the time, but I'm not like the end all know all that I know everything and I can fix everything that I even go and kind of audit my, my own work, you know, to when I'm taking things apart and putting it back together. But no, I do not think uh, that you can ever over clean a gun. You can over lube a gun um, to a degree. Um, I mean, if you were to take lube and go and spray it in your gun, it's not going to really, the lube isn't going to make the gun malfunction. The debris that the lube attracts will make the gun malfunction. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Anything else, Gabe, from you? No. All right. Thanks, Mark, for coming in. Thank you for having me, as always. AZMGO.com is where you guys can go find information about Arizona Machine Gun Ordinance. Of course, you can find uh, Mark on Instagram under AZMGO as well. 
And uh, Grinder is is this the same on Grinder? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah that's it. Perfect. I am single, you know, so my my Grinder profile is really hitting. On. Yeah, 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 it's really good. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, fitness moment with Drew. All right. So what I have today is aerobic tiredness, muscle burn and stiffness, aching. And injuries all feel very different and knowing which injuries you have and whether you can work through them and overcome them or knowing when you need to stop doing workouts immediately and recover and heal uh, is going to really help you in your fitness path and help you stay on track and, and not get discouraged. Um, perfect example is I'm nursing a broken ankle and monitoring it as I'm running and working out and everything else to make sure that I don't overdo it and re-injure it. So definitely pay attention. And if you don't know the differences, start reading up on what different things feel like so you don't get a potential injury. All right, Fitness Moment with Drew brought to you by MRC or McKellar Running Club Phoenix. Monday night runs 6.30 at Chupacabra in Mesa and Wednesday night runs at 6.30 at Dad's Fine Eatery in uh, Scottsdale. Remember, you can bring us out to train with you. Get hosting information via email, info at trainingaz.com. We'd love to come out and train in your area. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook as The Arms Room Show, Independence Training, MRC Phoenix, and AZMGO. We're proud members of the Heroes Media Group. Be sure to check out the other cool things that our network is up to. Next week, kind of a personal show. We're going to be talking about everything in moderation and how addiction is only designed to reduce you, kind of what we were talking about today, uh, where Gabe's talking about, you know, the the multi-pronged attack that's coming at us from the powers that be. Man, addiction to a variety of different things is part of the way that they use control on you. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that next week. Until then, stay aware, stay safe, and train hard. You've been listening to The Arms Room.